Trevor, and this is Fixie's Playground. It's nice to be back, folks. It is April 1st, the Fool's Day. I uh, It's been a little while since I've been on. Um, I released a string of episodes, I think two back-to-back episodes, so four total. And I kind of needed to take a break just to recharge. Um, winter's over here in Louisiana, so I had a lot of weed-eating and grass-mowing to do. And I just needed to focus on getting that done. But we are back. My guest tonight is a friend that I have from California. Um, I met this cool cat on the Building Bridges podcast, which he created and runs on a weekly basis. Um, It's mostly about politics. We have a lot of fun. There's a lot of us on there. Um, Go ahead and introduce yourself, guest. Yeah, guys, like you said, my name is Drew. Um, I live in Alonso, California, which if you don't know, it's the high desert. Uh, I love it in the desert. I think the desert has a beauty that uh, can only really be explained if you're here to see it. Uh, I do plan to run for Congress in 2024, um, 8th District out here in the high desert, San Bernardino County. Um, I'm excited for that. Um, All of my goals uh, professionally are kind of centered around that point as it stands right now. Um, I am working with the party out here locally, so it's pretty awesome, too. Um, Trevor, I've met because we share a, uh, a friend in common named Tim. And, shout out, Tim. Yeah, shout out, shout out, Tim the Boomer. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, Tim brought him on for one of our podcasts. We do uh, twitch.tv slash building underscore bridges TV. Um, every Wednesday night we go live. We try to get a lot of guys from kind of all over the political aisle kind of sit down and talk some of these issues through. Uh, we try to treat everybody that we can with good faith uh, and kind of understand their point of view before critiquing, but we definitely all try to critique each other. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't shy away from it. There is definitely pushback. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's great. Like, I, I love that, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I think in a healthy setting, uh, that's exactly what we need in this country. So, yes. Um, yeah. To clarify for the listeners, um, you said you worked with the party. Go ahead and tell them which party it is. Uh, what your affiliation is? Yeah, I, I work uh, with the Democratic Party out here, mm-hmm. I know. Uh, but uh, it, they do align most with uh, the goals that I kind of have in mind. Um, yeah. So, like, that's that's kind of how I came to the uh, decision to support that party. Um, also, I currently do work with California's net metering program. It's what I do as an actual job. Um, basically it's a non-cost solar program for California homeowners. So if, you know, people are getting these huge $250, $300 Edison bills, Edison is the uh, utility company on here that are kind of nationalized. Mm-hmm. Um, if people are getting these $250, $300 bills, we come around and we say, Hey, you've already been paying for solar through your tax dollars. Let me put it on your roof for free. Cut your bill in half minimum. They're like, yeah, I'm all about that. Sure. Absolutely. So all I'm saying is, if you ever set up in Louisiana, like, you can come knock on my door. I'm about that life. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, solar is definitely a good thing to do um, residentially, I guess, to say. You know, um, everything I look into, you know, it's ideal for everyone. I think it would be a, a, a net positive if, like, all Americans had solar panels, you know, essentially. For sure. Yeah, and, um, Honestly, dude, I, I, I know the I know the horror stories with solar. Trust me, because like part of my job is going door to door, and I have to talk to people. 
And these people's houses have already been hit by solar salesmen. And everybody's heard horror stories like, oh, this guy told you he was hooking you up. He was getting you a good deal. Really, what he was doing is taking panels off your system, selling you a smaller system at a cheaper rate, obviously, because it's not as expensive to, to build. He puts it on your house, and then guess what? You, you guys are going to be using way more power than what those pan panels are going to generate. And then you end up with these huge electric bills at the end of the year because Edison hasn't allowed to bill you monthly anymore because you have solar. And so at the end of the year, you're getting this, like, $6,000 bill all at once. And, like, I, I just – I have a really big problem with that. Yeah, honestly. it's yeah. – at the very least, it's just shady as shit. Um, yeah. And, I mean, yeah, I 100% I agree with you. That's, that's not cool at all. Uh, being up front with people is kind of what you should do, um, <laughs> you know, on at a the, general basis. So, yeah. So, you know, you're definitely quote unquote left leaning. Uh, you know, I've seen you mention that you're progressive. Um, I am, I mean, I'm pretty sure all the listeners know because most of my listeners are from around here. Uh, I am definitely a conservative. I call myself a conservative leaning centrist. Uh, I have, you know, Republican ideals somewhat, but I, I consider myself a centrist not only because the like the party is just a disgrace to me and also because like my views are very specific on what we're talking about and, and where sure. we're coming from. And then also understanding what current place we're at in society and going from there. Um, yeah. But the, the point is, is we, we talk these things on building bridges and um for the most part, like Drew and I don't really disagree a whole lot. Um, sometimes it's it's more or less the, the devil in the details, uh, but we still, you know, come to the realization that like we still want people to be helped, like we still want the country to to be a better place. So I'm just pointing out, like, don't you know? I'm sure some of my listeners will be like this fucking leftist prick, and I'm gonna be like, look, no, he's cool. Like, don't judge him. Like, trust no, no, me. No, no. Say it. <laughs> say it yeah but, but back it up right read, i would love to read your comments please yeah yeah i mean look <laughs> send me the emails the messages like go on fixies playground and like because this will have a post with the episode with pictures with everything go ahead and comment it all day long like i'm all about it um but no you're you're a cool dude as, as far as i can tell you know obviously we haven't had a one-on-one -on -one like this yet so like i was very excited about it because we, we've talked after you know after recording for building bridges um you know even last night man i got five hours of sleep and it's part of the reason i'm tired today you know because we stayed up a lot later than i should have but we were just you know sure. shooting the shit and talking about different things so that was pretty awesome um at what point did you realize uh you wanted to be involved in government or, or go down the congressional path. Like at what age, you know, <laughs> is it, um, is it something you've always dreamed totally about right. since you were a kid or, um, Absolutely not. No, no. <laughs> no, I was, I was not a good kid. Honestly, I, I was, you know, the class clown, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I, uh, truth be told, dude, I had, uh, very, obscure political beliefs before, mm -hmm. Um, especially I want to say about two years ago, I was like, I was an AMCAP, which if you don't know what that is, it basically means you want anarchy and no regulation in the market whatsoever. Um, I don't know why, but it just made the most sense to me. It spoke the most fairness to me at that time in my life. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I can't really, like, like I said, I 
don't want to sit here and like defend every position I've ever held, but yeah, um, you don't have to. Uh. Right. I I just I've always been very um, very right leaning in my economic views, mm-hmm. uh, and then I want to say it was about a year ago ish i i just um i started reading more theory and things like that and i know that's like a meme you know like mm-hmm. oh you should read theory no i nothing like that but it's just something that i got around to doing and a lot of the arguments really made sense uh based on my held principles so i had like certain principles where i thought oh people deserve to live a life free of coercion and that was my reasoning for being like an anarchist but then somebody made really good points to me and they said hey uh, you know, coercion exists outside of just the state. And so what's the best way to attack coercion as a whole? Like, how do we improve people's lives uh, on, a, on a grander scale, right? And I kind of came to more, like, progressive views that way. I think that was my starting block. But I didn't decide I wanted to run for Congress until about a year ago um, when I was working on some, like, volunteer work out here, and I got mm-hmm. to talk to the local uh, city council guy out there. And he was like, hey, man, have you ever thought about, like, uh, running for office? Like, you know, doing work like this is, like, huge. People would see that and, like, really want to get behind your campaign. And I was like, oh, no, I just never really thought about it, you know, like, I have. And, um, I mean, like, it, it just kind of flipped a switch in my head, and I was like, dude, I could do this. Like, why not, you know? Yeah, I, 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 I could run for Congress. A possibility <laughs> opened up that you never thought it was possible beforehand, you know? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Which is awesome. I mean, look, we, we need good people in the government, you know? And I'm not saying there aren't there aren't some out there in Congress or, you know, any other branch. I'm just saying it's, I think the overall public's very disenfranchised, um, you know, in different yeah. aspects as far as the government's concerned. So I think fresh blood, young blood in there is a good thing. Um, you know, uh, we don't have to dig too, too deep into it. But like, you know, I, I think a lot of us are, are tired of seeing people who have been in, in there for 40 years, you know. And at that point, we're just like, all right, how many favors do you owe to everyone? Because like you've just been there so long and like I can't it's really hard for me to want to trust you now. Uh, cause we, it's so funny. Cause like, I, I feel like Americans know like the game that's being played, but like, we're just fed just enough crumbs to be like, Oh, well that that's okay. Cause at least I'm being benefited in some way, you know? Um, yeah. and they don't want to call it out or I don't know if it, it's just a lack of wanting to band together. I mean, some of it's the division, you know, about like the party lines and stuff. It, it's one of the reasons I don't like the two party system is because it's, you know, if you're more focused on attacking the other side you're not really attacking like the government you know yeah and, um uh something that like I even I, I think we could definitely agree on is ranked choice voting would be really cool being able to vote first with your like principal beliefs and then making your second vote your lesser evil vote yeah out of the two you know i i, I think that would be pretty cool i think more parties would form in america and that, that would be really cool too you'd see like uh people with more like obscure beliefs or like very like kind of radical but definitely receive a lot more representation and i i mean however you feel about that that would be still be pretty cool i mean more people with their views and um i feel like the voting the voting process definitely needs an update um you know um i think a lot of people agree with that especially with this past election uh you know whether whether you agree with with voter fraud or or whatever which 
we'll talk about the topic you want to talk about in a second. You know, that's, uh, but more specifically, um, you know, like obviously that they're just, there's not enough proof to make a difference either way. So we need to take that as it is. Um, but the fact that almost everyone to some kind of degrees knows like it was, it just all seemed shady and there just wasn't any evidence to push it anything past that. Um, which to me just overall just shows people are having an issue with the current voting process. Um, my, my gripes always been with the primaries. I, I've said it in other, other episodes and if you listen long enough, you'll, you'll hear it. Um, you know, like that the Democrats have their super delegates. Um, whereas the Republicans, I, I voted in the last primary in 2016 and, uh, I voted for Ted Cruz over Donald Trump. The, the problem is, is that there was five, you know, five people on that ticket. Now Trump got 40 something percent of the vote. He got the highest vote tally, but like he didn't even have 50% of the votes. Uh, you know, he, he had under 50 and you still had four other guys. I think Ted Cruz had like 22, um, you know, I felt like at the very least there should have been a runoff. Like your your final vote should be between the two people, not five people. Um, and you should definitely have at least half of the votes to win. You know, the the candidacy for the primary. Um, I just didn't like that, and it wasn't just simply because like the guy I voted for didn't get it. Like that didn't bother me so much as just the process itself. I was like, this is flawed, and like we need a more, um, you know. Just a better way of doing it, a more consistent way of doing it. Yeah, and uh, to your point about like the election fraud stuff, um, there a lot of people kind of get the idea when you kind of try to shut down election fraud claims that what you're saying is like, oh, we shouldn't even look into this. And uh, something that I tried to be really clear on, on like when when I spoke on stream, is I think that there should always be extra investigations into things like this because I want absolute the most secure election possible because yes. democracy is like the cornerstone of this country and it's incredibly important so like when um, when people tell you like oh there's no way there was election fraud uh, and like and they tell you like oh I don't want you to look into it though I can see how that would come off like uh, really sketchy right yeah I, I, de- I definitely get your point there but what I'm saying is it's very hard to put the burden of proof on somebody else when you're claiming them. You're claiming that they did something, and what I mean by that is the same as like women in college who accuse like football players of like rape and things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, people are like, "Oh, that that's a false allegation, right?" Well, just like that, uh, the women are putting the burden of proof on the athlete there and saying, "Like, hey, you need to prove that you're innocent." That's how society at least treats these claims. And I think that's wrong too. I, I I think that like yes, we need to like listen to all women, but we we don't need to not investigate the claims, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, well, in the interest of benefiting everyone, you know, yeah. we're, we're we're supposed to be a country founded on innocent until proven guilty. Now, obviously, there's the court of public opinion, and that does hold a lot of sway. Um, but I 100% agree, and like I try to maintain that whenever I approach a, a, a situation, regardless of whatever accusations, the number of accusations, like, look, show me evidence. Because as unlikely as it seems that 15 women have accused you of inappropriate stuff, like a certain quarterback in Texas, um, do I believe in this day and age that like 
a group of people can get together and be like, hey, we can shit on this person and get a lot of money from them if we just push hard enough without any evidence, you know, or the bear, you know, so it's, it's rough because like you said, like I want to listen to women first. Like my first reaction when a woman tells me she's been like raped or assaulted is to go and beat the bloody shit out of someone. And like, it's really hard to stop myself and be like, all right, she's probably telling the truth. I believe her, but I can't go around boxing people's ears in without evidence and even then like i do believe in justice and justice needs to be carried out so you know we need to have those systems in place to have fairness for everyone because even if this situation is anecdotal and it ends up not being fair the overall point is to have a fair system because it encompasses the most people under that umbrella yeah and the the thing about the election fraud claims though specifically is that we had bipartisan like investigation into these claims, and even Trump's lawyers were kind of backpedaling all those public claims that they made. Like, uh, I don't know if you remember, but Rudy Giuliani held this huge press conference in the middle of the city, and he was saying that we had thousands of affidavits, and there's no way that when we got to court that any of this could be possibly like refuted. Yeah. And oh, then, yeah, I remember. You know, we, we got around that time, and then it turned out that, you know, like, all of that was kind of hyperbolic and you know yeah. like we don't really have anything to substantiate any of this yeah, like we're just kind of like putting out signed testimonies you know? so when when they they initially declared biden the winner i gave it one week i was like you have one week to convince me that he isn't and i started hearing kind of what you were saying you know because it was a lengthy process and it was drawn out for months um every which way they could but after that initial week, I was like, I mean, Biden won. Like, I don't believe anything they're saying. There's no evidence. Like, if there was evidence, they would have pushed it out right now. Like, they would have, you know, they wouldn't have waited the last second. They wouldn't have done everything legally they could to to try and stop the process or prolong the process. So, I mean, to me, like, it is what it is. And look, I, you know, some of my listeners, whatever, I understand y'all mad. Trump didn't win. Like, get over it and move on. Like, why are you wasting time complaining about something? Like, look, there, there's not enough evidence. Just accept that. Move along. And if you really care that much about Biden winning, then go vote for someone else in the next election. You know, we need to accept what's actually going on. Reality, people. Like, accept reality. <laughs> and uh, and I, I think we might disagree on this point, but I, I think if Republicans want to win this next, next election, they really need to move to a different candidate and like and what i mean by that is like like everybody kind of implies when they argue for donald trump they say like oh like he's really just the republican party in a nutshell but he's also kind of an asshole which is what i always kind of hear right they're like oh i mean yeah he's an asshole but like he gets he gets shit done that's kind of the like common theme i hear and you know that's cool and all but if he's really just the republican party like then you guys could really put anybody else there. Uh, people that, you know, over half the country don't hate yeah. right out of the gate. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, well, and, and, and like, that's what I'm saying. Like, if, if you if you push forward, like, a half-assed, respectable Republican candidate, like, I'm pretty sure they would beat Biden. Like, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that to push party lines or anything. I'm just saying, like, Biden is not much of a goalpost to, to go to. You know, like, and I know some people love him. I'm not saying he's a bad president or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, there are better candidates than Biden. There really is. 
you won't you won't get any pushback on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just you know, um, so like I agree with you. I I don't know. I mean, party supposed like Trump's supposed to be making his own party or whatever. Um, and my my fear is that if he does that, all his Trump tards are gonna follow him, and that's gonna be, you know. Fifty million yeah. votes, and then now the Republican Party split, which means like they'll never win another election. Pretty much, not not on a presidential race, not if there's another major party. You know, <laughs> um, it, it, it's like honestly, they did like it to themselves. In, it's one culture shift in one state away from like Republicans never winning another election. Oh yeah, I, I hate I, to say that. It, no, it's it's a hundred percent true, and they and and I can't even say that they don't deserve it because they did it to themselves over and over and over again. Like it's not just one thing. It's not like oh well, Trump lost, they'll never win again. Like it's it's the refuting and you know, storming the congressional building and like there's a, just a ton of things. You know, Mitch McConnell being a piece of shit and like being an obvious snake in the grass. You know, even Ted Cruz. Like showing that, like he's willing for another man to talk shit about his wife, if it'll get him political aspirations that he met, you know, like we could we could go on for hours about how shit. <laughs> we we can we can so let, let's move on. Let's let's go ahead and, and touch on a subject that you brought up, um, voter ID. Uh, what's your gripes, man? What what's the question? You, you know, you want to talk about this? Let's let's do it. So, obviously, I'm asking because Georgia just passed this new voter ID law, and I've been reading into it a lot, and I have a lot of gripes with this bill specifically, but I also kind of have gripes with voter ID laws in general. So, I kind of wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts, like, kind of coming into the discussion? You don't have to get into detail, but, like, are you generally for the voter ID laws? Yes, I I believe that in order to vote for representation in this country, you need to be a citizen. And if you're a citizen, you need to prove that you're a citizen. You can't just walk in and say, I'm Joe Blow and I'm a citizen. You have to prove who you are. If I go to the DMV, I'm required to have two, you know, legal documents with my name, you know, two different forms of ID, essentially. Like, it's, I don't feel like, you know, it's problematic to ask for proof of who you are. Now, do I understand that maybe in Georgia or some of these states, you know, it can definitely be kind of like redlining, you know, where like they're trying to control the votes by adding in stupid, you know, um, amendments to the law, preventing certain people from being able to vote. Like, I don't agree with that at all. I just I, I think you should have your driver's license or, a, a you know, a state issued ID saying, hey, I'm a citizen of America. I have a right to vote. And then you're done with it. Like, there shouldn't be anything more than that. But you do need to prove it, so. Right, and I all of that makes complete sense. Don't don't get me wrong. Like what you just said is generally like a, a good thought process. You showed exactly how you got to your conclusions, right? But from my point of view, what happened in North Carolina, for example, the Supreme Court ruled against voter ID laws in North Carolina because they said that uh, the laws uh, surging targeted or sorry they targeted minority groups with surgical precision and what they mean by that is uh, voting registration information was requested what kind of ids were people using to vote with and then when they came out with the bill uh i 
IDs that were typically used by black people were seen, were uh, declared not usable to vote. So when you directly request for that information and then you make barriers there based on yeah. that information, that's when I say like, okay, th- there's a clear indication here that there is some form of like racial motive. Yeah, oh, they're, um, they're cherry picking. Uh, yeah. Even if it's not racial, it could be politically motivated. If, if you know, it could be as simple as, well, the government there is Republican and they don't want any Democratic voters. So if they know that you're a Democratic voter and most, like, you can say whatever you want, like, most black people vote Democrat. Like, this is just something that we all understand. And, and I mean, even the Democrats have, have you know, taken advantage of that and not have been secretive about that at all, you know, um, I think in some cases it is racially motivated. I think in other cases it's quite literally just they're trying to control the vote, um, which is also wrong. Um, but I, I can agree with – I have a problem with that also. Like, I, Well, okay, specifically, I have a problem with someone asking for that pertinent information and then applying it to control votes. You know, like, like I said, like there should be a standardized ID. It should not be hard to obtain. And that's what you use. It, if if the state of Georgia came out and they said, hey, we're issuing everybody who's a citizen and resident of Georgia a state-issued ID that is able to be shown for voting purposes, mm-hmm. I think both of us could say that's a great idea and a great thing we could do. Yeah. yeah. You know I, mean? I, 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 I don't see why anybody would have an issue with that unless – those are the kind of people who are hoping for voter ID laws for other reasons. But uh, I, I get why you're saying it. You think like, okay, so, you know, like it's just extra security in terms of elections. I just don't like how it's typically been used to target minority groups. Mm-hmm. If that makes yeah. sense. P- people are using it to take advantage or they're using it as a system of advantage to, to control the vote. And that's an issue because you shouldn't be trying to control the vote. Like, you know, that's, that's vote. In my opinion, that's that's tampering. You know, you're tampering with the voting process, and that should be illegal. Uh, and I say that questioningly because I think it is illegal. But uh, you get some good lawyers and some some stupid laws and wording, and you know things can go by the wayside, uh, which is not cool. You know, I, I agree with you there. So, um, what? Which I, I know you kind of agree oh. with me, but like, what what would you do specifically? Well, I, I think issuing everybody in Georgia a free ID is like a really cool idea. Like, just for whatever reason, like yeah. it doesn't even have to be in terms of voting. I, I just think that's a really good idea. Like, a lot of people, you know, there are barriers in place, and the idea of the state providing this and that would give us more um, uh, more ways for people to identify themselves and like mm-hmm. uh, emergency situations. Uh, voting would be easier. Um, like DMV trips wouldn't be such a hassle. Like uh, yeah. things like that. You know? Yeah. Like, like so. So here, like here in Louisiana, if if your license is about to expire, um, you know you have to you have to pay to re up it. The the cool thing is, is, if I move from one town to another and I have a change of address, like I can get that changed and a new ID for free. You know, and I think something along those lines, kind of like you said, like a one time, like, here's your ID. Now, if you lose it, well, then you're going to have to pay to replace it. But we're going to give you your first one. You know, take care of it. It's kind of like your, you know, your uh, Social Security card. Like, that's an important document. Please don't lose it because the process to get another one is tedious and time consuming and costly. 
Um, right. And I think that's fair because you can't, you know, like if the government's already having to pay for it, like that's my taxes and I don't want you abusing that either. You know what I'm saying? I definitely get you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but to the second part of the ID laws, I just want to pull this up. Go ahead. Just so that I have it. I, I, I was arguing with somebody earlier, so I'm going to pull up the thread. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. No, pull it up. I'll... I'll after we're done with this topic, I'll introduce one where I had a very interesting conversation with a fellow about immigration uh, a couple days ago, and I had to end it because he was just going off the wall, man. Uh, I, I, both sides of the spectrum on that can get pretty rough, but yeah. Uh, okay, so one thing that I put was like I didn't like the part that the bill removed the Georgia Terry Secretary of State as the chair of the elections board because it felt like that was more of like a retaliation move uh, from Republican uh, Georgia officials because I don't know if you remember but that phone call that Trump made yep. to, uh, to the Georgia Terry Secretary of State, Secretary of State and he asked him to find 12,000 more votes yeah. on his side and he didn't do it and all of a sudden now we have legislation passed a few months later where this guy's being removed from his election duties I, I that, that seemed pretty fishy to me like right out of the gate yeah then, it, it does yeah, and, and then besides that, they also wrote in that if state officials uh, decided that a county electorate wasn't doing their job properly, uh, kind of like how they've been accusing people this election cycle publicly of like mishandling vote counting and things like yeah. that, they're basically saying um, that they have the power to suspend them and bring in new election officials mid-count. And that's super terrifying because even if you think that the Democrats could hold Georgia next time around and they could use this, that's still really scary, dude. It's like anybody who thinks that like they don't necessarily agree with the counting, they could just suspend those officials, kick them out, and bring new ones in. Yeah. Like I, I just I really don't well, like that. That's I, that's too much of a power a power thing. Yeah. Like either you do what I tell you, or I'll suspend you. Like, and I don't like that either. Um. I feel like there should be some kind of outside entity that that governs those kinds of things, and, and I, I, you know, I, I don't like messing with states and their laws. Um, I'm not gonna say I'm a statist, but like I, I agree with letting the states have their individual views on things, and the federal government just being like you know the intermediary. Like I, I think that was a good idea initially when the founding fathers created it. Um, I don't. You know, like we, we've talked about this on Building Bridges, like I do not like a, a very strong federal government. Um, you know, I don't like the government telling me what to do. Like, I understand they're necessary and they there are good things about the federal government and what they do to help people. Like, they're there and they should help people. But, like, I think if I live in Louisiana, if I don't like what Louisiana is doing, then I, I move to another state. And I know not everyone can do that, but the general consensus is, like, you go where, where it best suits you, you know. And some people do. I mean, people have moved out to Cali, you know, because that's more of their ideals. People have moved from Cali to Texas more recently because of ideals, you know. Uh, I mean, you know, my, my podcast has been referenced as a Joe Rogan-like podcast. So if you listen to it, which I'm sure you have, um, they talk about this. And even Joe says, like, look, we want everyone to come to Texas, but you need to understand that there's a certain way you need to vote in Texas if you want to keep you know, all the liberties that you're currently enjoying, like don't bring the stupid shit from California to Texas. 
And, you know, I know you're a Cali, a Cali boy and, and, you know, you're probably going to run for political office there. And maybe there's some things you want to change in, in your state. Um, but I do think there are some valid points to that. Like, obviously, if you have an issue with California and you're leaving because of the stuff that you were pushing while you were in that state, like, don't bring those same problems to a different state because all you're going to do is recreate them. For sure. You know. And um, I, I currently live in California because the government model actually really does suit me pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of people have like this kind of um, this misconception, a little bit of what California is like, especially governing wise. If you look at our policies, I mean, we're pretty like moderate uh, outside of uh, healthcare. Healthcare, we have Medi-Cal, which is about as. Close I think to I think some of y'all business practices lean lean a little left, which is what's pushing. Which, which is what is pushing out some of the major corporations from your state. I mean, the taxes, yeah. man. It's it's A lot of it is taxes. Um, but well, if, if we're attributing taxes as a, as a left-leaning thing, then yeah, well, I, I'd agree with that. It's, it's just heavier, you know. Rent control and things yeah. like that. We're really yeah, well, all that. well like, y'all are about yeah. social nets, a lot of different social nets. And, and in theory, I don't have an issue with that, but that just kind of falls under, like, I don't need the government to babysit me, you know? Um, yeah. And, and in a lot of ways, like... I, I, don't, um, I don't really see it as babysitting, though. I know you don't. You, 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 yeah. you, you like, like I said, it's a safety net to you. Like, if, if people yeah. are, are having a bad time, like, then that safety net's there to, to help them get out of it or stay out of it. Um, and, and I understand that. And, and to the degree, I, I, I get that. Um, you know, but then you have... You know, poor governors are like, uh, what's Cali's governor? Uh, Newsom? Is it Gavin Newsom? Yeah, everybody hates him. He's, isn't he going to be, it's... isn't he going to be recalled? Like, yeah, for sure. No question. I, I heard they had, they had, I heard yeah. they had more than enough votes. Um, I just didn't know what the timeline on that was. But he's someone I, who dude. was, was pushing some shitty policies and then, like, blatantly showed that he was, like abusing his power while telling, you know, the people of his, of his state to do the opposite of what he was doing, you know, like being a, a huge ass hypocrite. So like, um, and that's, that's another thing. Like I know California is predominantly considered a left state, like a, a democratic state. Um, but th- there are a lot of Republicans there. Like it's, it's very much a mixed state. Um, and I just wanted to say that on my podcast, like just to get a general understanding, like, Politics wise, they're very left leaning, sure, but like there are plenty of right leaning people there, you know. So yeah, I, I always tell people, I'm like, I guarantee you there's more Republicans in my state than yours because, yes, California does have a ton of left leaning voters, but we have a ton of people. So you know, we, we yeah. get a good, uh, a pretty good turnout for Republicans every election cycle in yeah. terms of the popular vote, but you know. Yep, it's just those high density areas, man. <laughs> you know, but well, I mean, the same thing could be said for Louisiana. Like we're we're a right state, but like New Orleans is predominantly blue. Um, even Baton Rouge, I think, leans blue. Um, I live close to Lafayette, um, which is kind of like the third major hub uh, in my area, and um, Lafayette's kind of borderline because we we have um, the University of of uh, Louisiana Lafayette and. They're a pretty big, like they're not quite as big as LSU, but they're almost there. Um, on a national scale, like they've had one of the top five best like nursing programs 
uh, in the nation, you know, academically they're, they're up there. Um, and they have very mixed views. You know, uh, if you go to campus, it's a lot different than if you go out like 10 minutes outside the city and talk to people, you know, local people, it's, it's different. Um, but I think it's a good thing. Like I like my blended, you know, I like a blended, um, group of people, you know, uh, but, um, yeah, man, uh, see what we were talking about. Talked about Newsom. We talked about policy. Um, I'm just trying to get back on track. I mean, so if you want to go back a little bit, uh, yeah. you were talking about like bad policies in California. I, there's a lot of bad policies in California, but like um, something that kind of uh, people ask me a lot is uh, everybody knows I'm super pro gun. Um, yeah. I think you should have even more than what you have access to right now. Um, it, my my caveat those... is that you should be trained. Yeah, uh, like, uh, I, mean, I, 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 well, look, in, in my ideal America, Every single person is trained in the use of a firearm and carries one. Um, now, like, do I need, do you need to go spend a lot of money? No, but like, basic gun safety is not going to hurt any. Like, okay, and, and I say this because as as someone who grew up in Louisiana, like, I took gun safety courses. It was hunters' education because you know a lot of our culture is hunting. Um, and from a very early age, I mean, from my dad to my grandpa to my uncle, like to my older cousins, like you're taught from square one, like you respect the weapon you have. You don't point it at people like you're taught how to hold it properly, um, you know, not to keep like around chambered unless you, you expect to shoot, keep your safety on, you know, safe storage methods. Like, so I take that for granted a little bit because I, I grew up with it. Like most people in my area you know, it's not an issue simply because we've, we've had it embedded to us since a young, early age. Um, well, and most people haven't even touched a firearm before. People, I, people I are scared of it, man. Stat. Like people, I, I couldn't believe that stat when I heard it, but yeah. most people have not touched a firearm yeah. in this country. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's crazy. And like, and, and then if, if you haven't touched a gun, then you're more prone to being afraid of them. And then when you get your hands on them, you're more erratic to make mistakes, get nervous and shoot something you're not supposed to shoot or shoot when you're not supposed to shoot. Like, so the, the whole idea of a safety course is to get you comfortable with the weapon to understand its proper use and then go about your business. Like, you know, when I see someone in the store that, that has a holster and, and a pistol on, on their side, like, does it make me slightly nervous? A little bit, but it's more of an awareness thing. Like, okay, I see you. I'm aware. That's fine. You know, like, my first assumption isn't that they're trying to rob me. Like, but most people who have a holster gun, they know how to use it. They know not to take it out unless it's, you know, they're going to use it. You know, I think that's one of the other things is, like, don't draw your weapon on anybody unless you intend to fire. You know? Um, yeah, but I... So... I don't think everybody should carry, though. I, I, if you want to carry, I think you should be able to. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm super down with that. But it, it's kind of like the uh, the arming the teachers argument. You know what I'm talking about? Like, for school students. Yeah, like, I, I oh, agree with teachers it. Carry to, to an extent. I, I don't, dude. Okay, okay. No, first no, off, let, I, let me, I don't let, think you can sell me on let that. Let me though, specify. Honestly. First of all, don't make them do it. Get right. volunteers, Okay. If you can't find if you can't find teachers to volunteer, then take some of your school budget, hire some ex-veterans who can pass 
a, a stability test mentally and have them come to your school and that's their job security um i just don't understand like if the option is either a to keep you know a few armed trained individuals on pro- school property or b let a bunch of kids get shot which one are you more comfortable with well, I, i'm all about hiring armed security yeah that, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'm talking about teachers. Okay, well, like like I like I said, I'm not. I don't want to force anyone into it. But if they're volunteering and they they willing to get trained, then let them. And I guess this is just a privilege of living in the South. Like half of my teachers would have been fine with owning and carrying a gun in school. So the the only thing I worry about though, man, is you hear teachers snaps in a headline every day. You're you're right, but almost anyone can snap. You know, I, I like know, it's, but I, I just, I'm very, okay, well, and I, another thing, like, what if they keep it, like, under their podium, and a kid gets a hold look, of it, or you, you know what I'm saying? Look, like, I, there, there are ways to mitigate all of that, the, but but the you have to weigh the benefits and the pros and the cons. Like, what's more beneficial, the off chance that a kid loses their, uh, a, a, you know, a teacher loses their mind as opposed to like a bunch of kids getting shot anyway, because no one has a gun. No one can stop an intruder. You know, um, if, if you prefer security, that's fine. Like I'm hundred percent down with security, having very specific individuals who that's their job, you know, that's fine with me too. Like, I'm just saying, have somebody have something like the last thing I think anybody wants to do is be in a situation where they have a gun pointed at them or a gun men in the area and they can't even protect themselves. They're going to get shot and they, they, they didn't even have the opportunity to defend themselves. You know, like it's utterly ridiculous. Um, you know, I don't, none of us want kids to die. Like, so we need to, to come up with better ways. And I don't think getting rid of guns is the way to do it. You know, um, which you, you know, you're two a, so like I say, you're two a, like you're, you, you believe people should be able to carry guns and, and all that other stuff. Um, with some regulation, sure, fine. Like I don't, I don't mind mental health background checks. You know, like having those mental health checks. But we need to be very specific on what disqualifies somebody for you know being mentally stable um, and yeah, owning and a weapon. And policy, wording and policy is like it's, super. It would be too. extremely crucial because yeah. if you just have one off day and then like you can't own guns anymore, like that's fucking ridiculous. You know, and I feel like it would just be a way for someone to control who gets what guns. You know, it's just kind of like the, uh, you know, there's been talk and, and like, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, I've just heard, you know, rumors basically that like the Democrats were pushing for legislation to raise the cost of firearms or the cost of bullets. Uh, tax stamp. Well, they're adding tax stamp okay. requirements for things like, which is the same thing. But it, but it, but it's the same thing. So so basically, yeah. what you're doing is you're saying I'm not going to take your guns away, but I'm going to make it so costly to buy a gun that you're not going to be able to afford it. So now I'm still controlling whether or not you can, you know, own a gun. Like I have a problem with that also. You know, like because you're essentially saying, well, if you're rich, you can own a gun, but if you're poor, you can't. Like, is that I, what you're going to do? You I'm know? really glad you brought that up too, because I I always use that for example when uh, I'm talking to somebody about healthcare. Uh-huh. And how, like, uh, we, we do need at least a public option in terms of health care. I get a lot of pushback on that because people don't like government-ordained like, health care type of stuff. Uh, but the, the reason I say that is because, like, let's say that the government decided that there would be a million-dollar tax uh, tax payment you'd have to pay for every firearm that you bought. People would not say that you have the right to bear arms at that point because that right 
realistically only exists to people who can vastly afford it. Yeah. Uh, so it's more of a restriction on the lower class from being able to have guns, which, in my opinion, are the people who should have them more than anybody. Yeah. But um, yeah, like it, it's more of just a restriction on them than an actual uh, law or anything like that. So uh, for me, man, like I'm, it, I, I treat the same thing with healthcare because if you have a right to seek treatment when you're sick and that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be free, but if you believe that if you're sick, you should have the right to treatment, then that right really is only secured you if it's affordable. Because it, like, like I said, if it's extremely uh, out of your price range, you really don't have the right to healthcare at that point. You just, yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, it, it's hard because even from state to state, it's different, you know, like, you know, I, I grew up poor. You know, I've made this pretty evident on my podcast several times. Um, I'm not saying I was like the dirtiest, you know, the, the poorest of the poor, but like, you know, my family would buy food a month at a time and they would ration it because it was just cheaper to buy in bulk. Um, you know, I went without plenty of times. Like I know what it is, but like I had Medicare and, and Medicaid or uh, growing up. So until I turned 18, I had healthcare from the government. Like it was a program, you know, um, and, you, and you needed it, right? and, and, and I, and I needed it. So I benefited from it, but it was already in place regardless. Um, ironically enough, you know, and now I, it's, I bet, I bet your parents worked really, really hard just, just so you guys could get by. Right. Yeah. Both of them. And, and, and that's what social safety nets are for. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, which, which, which like, is why is, which is why I've agreed to some, you know, in some of yeah. our, our, our talks. Cause like, you know, and, and I'm the same as you, you know, like two years ago, I had a completely different mentality. I mean, five years ago, 10 years ago, you name it. Like as you get older, you're a little bit wiser. You start questioning things and, and you start thinking about things. And, and to me at the end of the day, like what's important, you know? And then, you know, we've talked like, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm extremely religious, but like, I believe in God and Jesus and like helping other people. And so the question I have to ask myself is, okay, what, what helps people the most, what benefits people the most, what am I willing to give on to make that happen? You know, right. as, as a bare minimum, and you know, that's a really, that's a really great way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like, honestly, dude, like I, I wish more people had that. Well, I, I think like, and the reason I got there is cause, cause people get fixated on things, you know, like first off, people don't like major change. Okay. Secondly, I don't like the government. And when you're like, Hey, let's hand the government a bunch of money when we know they're not really that great at handling a bunch of money for different programs, let's give them more money and expect them to take care of our health now. Like, that's daunting. I don't like that either. But, you know, as I've said, like, and, and you know, I don't like the idea of socialized medicine on a grand scale, but I have no problem with, you know, if there was a public option, but my my personal, if I wanted to get private and it was still cheap, like, that's fine, too. You know, the bare minimum, like, I... I'm not against that. The the problem is, is I just don't trust the government to carry it out properly or fuck it up because they've shown in the past that they can fuck it up. Um, even with like, you know, veteran affairs, like they tried it and you know, the guy who was running it became the scapegoat of the program. Like, Oh, well it's all his fault. It's like, no, I mean, this is a government program. Like it's the government's fault too. Like they should have had oversight. They could have done things better. And you know, they screwed the pooch. Now look, I don't mind giving second chances. I don't mind saying, hey, you know, we're trying to figure out what's works best for our country. Um, 
but those are the kinds of things you need to do on a smaller scale and not nationwide and not, you know, like all at once either. Um, right. It's hard, but I, I want people to get health care. I really do. I just don't trust the government to do it. That's my problem. Yeah, I, I get it because, like I said, dude, I'm you, your views right now, like, mirror mine even like eight months ago. Like, I, I'm not yeah. kidding. Like, um, I, I have a very healthy and very heavy skepticism of government spending. And um, it, this may seem a little bit backwards, but I would like to add certain federal agencies just for the sake of overseeing a lot of the way this money is being spent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, yes, that will increase spending like on paper. But the truth is, is when these, these third party organizations have um, the right to full disclosure and they're able to fully disclose how this money is being spent, the budgets are going to get cleaned yeah. up a lot. And I Just, think it'll pay for uh, this, co- this agency to yeah. investigate. Keep, keep and, them accountable. You know, yeah, accountability absolutely. is huge, and we don't have a lot of accountability, and that's a that's a, a big problem. Um, and kind of like I said earlier, like people people have a hard time changing, man. Um, yeah. You know, or being taught one way, and pride and ego, like there's a lot that goes into it. It's it's not just one thing. Um, so like you know, I had to get, you know, um, you know how we say like we we tore somebody up in a debate or whatever. I got my ass tore up plenty of times. You know, like I've been there. We've all been there. Um, and you I know, I'm a legend, but go on. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, you get your you get tired of getting your ass tore, torn up, and, and then you start realizing what's really important, and you start asking different kinds of questions or just having a different view on things. Um, you know, for example, like the Corona stuff coronavirus stuff, right? Um, all these stimulus packages. I mean, we're on package number three. Um, I am conservative leaning. I do not like spending money. I do not like adding to the federal national debt. Um, these are issues that I have. Um, even when COVID first started and before they had shutdowns, but they were talking about shutdowns, I was against shutdowns because I knew we would absolutely destroy our economy and hurt a lot of people in the process and i'm not saying covid wasn't dangerous i'm just saying that the long-term ramifications of shutdowns to me outweighed the short-term benefits of shutting down um and it's not that i want people to die or i don't care like i'm just saying like we, we need to weigh these things you know um so they shut down Okay, shut down for a while. Some states are just now opening up or still shut down in some capacities. Um, we're a year later. You know, it was supposed to be two weeks initially. but And look, some of that's on people's fault for not adhering to social guidelines. Like, it's the blame could be spread around. Like, But get back to my point is, so here we are. People are losing their houses, their getting evicted, they can't pay their bills, they can barely get their food, the homeless is on the rise, 75% of businesses in California are shut down, probably not going to open up again, like, these are some huge issues, so, even though I initially was like, look, I don't want to shut down, because the long-term costs are going to eat our asses, here we are a year later, and even though I don't like the idea of stimulus, because you're basically just printing money, and saying, we're just going to keep printing a couple trillion dollars every once in a while, you know, and adding huge percentages to our national debt every single time we do it. Um, I have to weigh that now against, okay, we really need to help these people. You know, we need to hold the government accountable 
they shut us down, they are accountable for helping the people that they hurt. So even though I don't want to spend the money, we need to do this to get the people back on track. Because now if we don't do that, the economy is going to get worse. It's a snowball effect. So now in my long-term view, we need these stimulus packages to get our economy back to making money and getting us back where we need to be for a net positive for the nation. I still don't like the fact that we're adding to the national debt every time we do it. We just got our third one and they're starting to talk about a fourth one. You know, when does it stop? Like, does it ever stop? And at what point does the dollar start, you know, meaning less on a national scale or a world scale? You know, what time, you know, at what point does our economy crash because of this shit? At what point does all the grabs that China have been doing recently on a world market come to fruition? And what happens if the dollar is no longer the world currency? And now we have all this debt. You see what I'm saying? There- Definitely, dude. But uh, just a, a few things, man. Um, two of these stimulus plans have been funded through treasury notes. Uh, do you know what I mean by that? Okay, treasury notes, um, explain them out. Like, I get the, the idea of them, but go ahead. Not, not just notes, but bonds as well. So basically, okay. um, part of the global trade market and everything is uh, the United States Treasury sells off uh, like investments in business yeah, yeah, to foreign countries. Yeah. Um, and part of uh, part of what we've kind of raked in based on those uh, based on those foreign trades, uh, we cash those out, send the money into the plant, like whether that be injecting them into small businesses with the first uh, stimulus package, uh, injecting them into directly into homes in the second stimulus package, um, or we could look at like go all the way down to like the one we had a few months ago where we're injecting most of the money into the global trade market. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm kind of with you, kind of against you on the whole, there's a lot of stuff in, the, in, in these stimulus plans because on one end, um, I agree, I would like standalone stimulus plans for Americans. Like in my, in my world, that would be the ideal situation. Um, I think we, if we solely focus on the working class and the middle class and the business class and things like that, we could really get the economy started back up, revamped and moving. Um, what I don't like is that a lot of this money is being allocated to either like other countries, uh, trade markets or, yeah. uh, to, uh, some form of like big business. Yeah. I mean, how, how does it make sense when, when our country is, I'm not going to say dire straits, but like, okay, our, our economy's in, in a, in a pretty troublesome situation. Um, all these jobless people, these homeless people, uh, and you want to go and give how many billions of dollars to other countries right now? Like, and, and I understand, like, you know, even, even Tim tried to make the argument, well, like we're, we're a world power. Like there's things we have to do to keep that up. And I'm like, but we're going through a crisis right now. And it makes no sense whatsoever to focus on the world when we need to focus on ourselves and fix our problems so we can be a benefit, not only to ourselves, but to the world. Because if we go down and the world's relying on us, then we're hurting the world, right? Like, that's generally how it would go. Now, naturally, I imagine another country would take up the mantle and change things. But the the point is, is if we have a lot of problems, then we need to allocate our money to those problems for our country first and foremost. Then if we have money after that, okay, well, then, like, give aid to other countries. That's fine. But, like, we need we have people that need it right now. <laughs> But uh, the House did vote on a standalone stimulus bill for just Americans. Um, 
votes than uh, it passed in the House because, you know, a certain party group didn't control the House at that time. And it just happened to be best for PR's sake for the Democratic Party to push this through, yep. knowing that the Republicans were going to shoot it down. Yep. And because I hate to say it, the Senate does not pass anything unless there's some kind of yeah. uh, political which power. Is, which, which is 100% shitty. That's like, both what it is. It's, it's, yeah, one, it it's is. one of the reasons it's I hate McConnell. Is. Like, it's one of the reasons I broke away from the Republican Party is because of bullshit like that. Like, Americans need help, and you're sitting there playing politician instead of helping them. It's fucked up. And, and, and honestly, the money for the other country's point, that, that was kind of, like, brought up a lot uh, because Trump was on the way out the door. And I don't know if you remember, he made that huge press conference about how they put all this extra stuff in the stimulus package and all this money to other countries. And then we found out a few weeks later that, uh, you know, these this money to other countries mirrored Trump's proposed budget. So yeah. it, it was a little bit hypocritical. I think yeah, they well, were off by like three million dollars total. Also, like, I, th- I think the, I think the Republicans yeah. were asking for like fighter like money for fighter jets and, and like a yeah. bunch of side bullshit. Like, look, it wasn't just the left, like the right. The right was playing the bullshit, too. Uh, anyone who's like, oh, it's only the right, like, trust me, the left was pulling the politi- like political bullshit, too. Like, it was it was both sides. But, like, that's, that's like you said, like, that's why I wanted standalone. Because, like, why why does, you know, buying fighter jets have anything to do with COVID relief? And why, why can't... Just, why did $15 an hour minimum wage have anything to do with COVID relief? I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. Uh, yeah. Honestly, well, well, okay. Do I, do I right. want 15 an hour minimum? I think so. I think okay. Be okay, well, you know, so, look, I, like, it, bill, I, I think, I think old Tim, I'm, I'm going to give him some shit here. I think he would make the argument that $15 an hour has something to do with COVID because people need to get paid more so they can afford to live and all this other shit. But like, the point is, is that's a separate issue, right? It's not right? a temporary policy. That's, it's that's not a, a temporary a policy. And, and like, we, you could, you can draw connections all you like. That's a separate issue. They have some things in similar, and I, I agree with that. But, like, take a step back and say, okay, what do we need right now? Is it money to the, the American people? Then make it about money to the American people. Do you want to help the American people? Yes? Okay, let's give them money. Don't add strings to it. Don't add favors to it. This is our job, or it should be their job, you know, first and foremost. Like, that's like I said, like there are a few good things about the federal government. And the number one thing is, is you're supposed to take care of your citizens. That's your number one thing. And if you're not doing that, you're not doing your job. Do you mind if I segue into another conversation? Because I just remember okay. I kind of wanted to add this. Tell you what, write it down. Let's go ahead yeah, and take absolutely. our, let's take our first absolutely. intermission. Yeah. Absolutely. And then we will start on the new topic. And. All right, we are back from intermission, folks. Um, we've had some lively discussion about politics. Maybe it'll continue. I'm sure we'll branch off to other things in a little while, but Drew decided he wanted to uh, segue to something else. So go ahead and lead us, Drew. Oh, how do you feel about the, uh, the whole um, bake, the, the cake bakers not baking the cake for the gay wedding? Um. I think they have the right to not do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, look, I understand the whole bigotry and hate thing. Um, but ultimately, when you throw a person's religion into it, um, 
it's hard to sit there. It, it, it'd be kind of like forcing a, a Jewish person to uh, to not eat kosher because it offends you. Um, and I'm not saying that's the same. I'm just saying, like, when you force a religious person to do something that goes against their religion and it doesn't really hurt you, you know, like, I, I just can't agree with that. Like, because in my eyes, like, you want me to go to hell to make you a cake. Right? Like, that's what they're, you know... I'm saying if you're religious, like, look, look, I understand when you get into religious, you're opening up a can of worms, right? But the point is, is from a religious aspect, like if they believe that they're going to go to hell, if they make that cake, are you seriously going to force them to do that? No. What about, um, what about like, uh, I'll take a current group. What yeah. about like black Hebrew Israelites or like uh, black supremacists? Uh, and they, and they're, uh, and they're like, reasoning for it is based on religious reasons. They believe that they're the actual Jews of the Bible. And they use biblical scripture to show that they shouldn't even be eating with people of a different race. So what if a black Hebrew Israelite owned a restaurant and they put a blacks only sign on the door? They didn't let white people eat there. Do you think that that would be okay? Or do you think that we should probably not discriminate on those kind of bases? Bases? Basises? Base, bases, uh, uh, bases. I I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's also kind of rough because I can definitely see how that could turn into bigotry or or racism just in general. Um, you know, I think the the PC argument is no, you shouldn't allow that to happen because it's discrimination. Um, but I don't know, man. I. I would say they should be able to if that's their religion. But then, you know, I also kind of, as a country, we've taken a lot of steps forward as far as businesses are concerned. Um, And being that, you know, the social stigma, um, social media, the, the, the free market and the way capitalism works. Like, I honestly feel as a business owner, you should be able to do whatever you want. But also understand that you're risking being shut down or losing money when you piss people off. You know, if I own a business, like, I don't care who you are. Please come and eat and buy my food. Like, I'm here to make money. Now, maybe I'm passionate about what I do, but I'm here to make money. You know, like, that's basically what you're trying to do. So, like, why would you turn business away ever? What about something like uh, like healthcare? Do you think doctors who have religious views should be able to not treat gay people? I don't, but they also take the Hippocratic oath, like, and they're okay. also and they're also held to a higher standard simply by you know certification boards and everything like that. Like my my wife can lose her nursing, like she's a nurse, she's an RN, she's been an RN for a decade now, and like. If she did something like that, she would lose her certification in a heartbeat and she could never be an RN again, you know? So, you know, if you're choosing a profession where it's life or death, like, are you seriously going to let someone die simply because they're Jewish and you're a Nazi or, or whatever? Like, you know, that's that's not acceptable. Um, and, like, the flip side of the bakery coin is, is okay, if, if I go to a gay-owned bakery... And I'm like, I want you to make a kill all gay people cake for me. 
like explicit detail and everything. Would it be okay for for them to be forced to do that? No. Uh, no. Uh, I, and I guess you'd have to define. Uh, so okay. So I'm wondering if um, if the gay couple just wanted the cake, they didn't want any topping, like the you know the figurines. If they just ordered a cake, would you have the same kind of um, kind of view on that on the flip side of it? Because if there's no explicit gay nature to the cake, yeah. If it's just uh, if it's just a cake, I don't see why you would deny them, even as a religious person. Like, and, and I think, look, and, and I understand, like, there are, there are some ridiculous religious practices out there, and I don't agree with some. And even as a religious person, like, if I if if I owned a bakery and a gay couple wanted a cake for their wedding, I'd make it for them. Like, I, which granted, like, my views on homosexuality is I don't have an issue with it. As far as, you know, society's concerned, like, I believe that's between them and God. Um, religiously, God says it's wrong. Like, I understand that. But, like, I'm not here to, to, to tell people what to do. And, like, I want people to be happy and live their lives. So, you know, um, not everyone sees that. Um, so, you know, I don't want anyone to, to deny making a cake. But if if you've lived your life by those religious aspects... I don't think you should be forced to go against them either. Not when it's like, how does it, how does it negatively affect that couple? You know, like, okay, you got turned down for making a cake. Like how does that physically harm you? I mean, we could, <laughs> we, we, we could make the claim that I know it's, it's, it's hard. You know, it's, 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 it's hard. Psychologically damaging. Yeah. But, 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 but I mean, really <sighs> as soon as you hit into the, well, it emotionally affects me. Like, okay, and every day that I'm living, I'm emotionally affected by something. Like, am I going to let it weigh me down? You know, it's... it's no, hard. but I, I don't think everything that weighs me down day to day is like violates a protected class, if that makes sense. Because sexuality, like whether everybody agrees with it or not currently, is sexuality is a protected class in the United States. Yeah. And the big reason why I was asking you wasn't really to get your view on like gay people. Because I, I, I felt like I already knew your view, which was kind of like, hey, you know, people make their own decisions. Yeah. I'm not going to sit there and like scream at you. It's between you and. Yeah. I don't hate, I don't hate like gay people no. at all. Like I don't hate I, trans people. Like I. Right. I was more <laughs> so just trying to gauge like um, how you felt about the situation uh, directly. So like um, for the way protected classes work is like a provider. Uh, isn't allowed to discriminate on people who obtain. So it, it works the same way in offices with like a hierarchical structure. So like if my boss is racist against uh, people with white guys with beards uh, and, you know, like he fires me, um, well, I guess white guys with beards aren't a protected class against that. Okay, so let's say a guy in my office is like is Asian and uh, my boss hates Asian people and he, and he fires them. Uh, he just violated a protected class because you're not able to, you're not allowed in this country to discriminate based on race, uh, religion, sexuality, things like that. Um, now, in this model, like it's a consumer going to a, a business, um, are they able to turn away somebody who needs a service provided simply because they have uh, religious qualms with what it's been used for? Um, the reason I asked you about the topping of the cake is because in that case specifically, uh, they said. When they were told that, uh, you know, they didn't want to do a, a gay wedding cake. Yeah. Um, the couple said, okay, don't do any, like, 
anything referencing any kind of who's getting married, can you just please make the cake for us? And then we'll do the topping pieces and all that yeah, ourselves. See, with, with those specifics, that, that, that changes things. You know, at right. that point, then it's, to me, it's no longer about, like, your religious beliefs. Like, right. because just making a gay, a gay couple cake, I don't care what you say, like, that's not, that doesn't make you a sinner. Like, you're just making a cake. It, it, it has nothing to do with a wedding. Like, just do it. Otherwise, like, because at that point, then I think you're, you are, like, being hateful. Because you're, like, you're not even going to make them a plain nothing cake. You know, like, that's that's messed up. And I, and I can agree with that. Um, but, like, the, the marriage thing is a very key point in religion, especially with the Catholic Church. You know, it's viewed as between a man and a woman under God. Like, that's very specific. Um, so, like, aiding anything outside of that is sinful. So I understand that aspect of it. Um, right, but, but even like, even in modern day, when you're talking about marriage, that marriage as we know it in America is completely okay, yeah, but at, at that point, yeah. you're separating religious from, from state. And like, yeah. this is why a lot of my opinions come from a state view and not my religious views. Um, because even though I see, homosexual marriage is wrong or sinful like i'm not going to dictate to other people how to live their lives i don't even hate them for it like like you're not supposed to hate people because they're sinning you know you hate the sin not the sinner like um and that gets a lot very mixed up in translation and religion these days because you have the people who are highly religious and also like extreme sinners like worse people than the people they're hating but like they're hating the sinners but not the sin you know like it's difficult because obviously we're in religion and there's different views and I'm not even a mainstream Catholic, but like, I understand the inconsistencies there, you know, um, or the, just the straight up like hypocrisy that occurs on a daily basis. Um, but like in my personal view, religiously marriage is between a man and a woman, anything other than that, anything other than that is a civil union under the state. Right. And, uh, was kind of getting to on that the, the same line of thinking here is that uh, if you are religious and you believe that marriage is between a man and a woman you know that biblically speaking um what a marriage is really has nothing to do with a paper exactly paper that goes exactly it's spiritual yeah. it's a hundred yeah like mar- marriage is so. basically your soul union becoming one with someone else's soul and it's always a man and a woman like um so from like a state aspect like that's why i never had an issue with like you know, a civil union, or if you want to call it marriage under the state, that's fine. Like, it's just a term, but what marriage actually is to me, as opposed to a civil union, you know, those are two different things to me because of my religious views. Like, go get, like, if you want to go get married under the eyes of the government, by all means, go. Like, that's, I don't have an issue with that. Like, that's, we're in America. You should be able to do whatever you want, you know. Um, some people view it as the same, I guess. Um, I always differentiate it because like, I just kind of like here, like I explain it, like, this is my view on what marriage is because I'm religious, but you can still go get a civil union and it's essentially kind of the same thing. Cause at the end of the day, you're doing the same thing with your partner as someone who's religious and got married in the church is doing. Um, it's just a spiritual thing and that's outside the wheelhouse of statecraft, you know? Right. But that's what, what I'm kind of saying is like, I don't really get the whole push to like 
changing legislation from the state based on gay marriage or like trans people even or anything like that. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know why even super religious people are like fighting against this in law because it, tr- it truly doesn't really matter. Because I, I think if you're living a life of spirituality, you're supposed to try to perpetuate that. It's kind of like the church, the church will never. Okay. Well, the new Pope has done a lot of crazy things that like, in that world, even like the, the bishops and the cardinals are against and they've recommended him for it. Uh, but like the church will, will never sit there and say you should use birth control. Because to push birth control as the Catholic Church is to say, OK, it's OK for you to have sex before you're married. And that's just and that violates one of their key tenets. They're never going to do that. And they will always push for wait till you're married before you have sex. Um you know, and not even to go off on the tangent of why that could be a net positive for society. Um, the point is, is some of these people have the same kind of idea, like, okay, if if a gay relationship is sinful, I can't allow it to happen because you're not supposed to allow sin to occur, right? Or you're supposed to try to dissuade people from sinning. Um, so they try to get up in other people's business. Um legislation is the place to, to push I that, agree. Uh, I 100% yeah. agree. If anything if 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 you're trying to push for that it should you know if you want to make it a social stigma that's your business. Like you know we've talked about that on building bridges like if you want to create societal pressure to stop something that's your business. But from a state point like you can't you can't use the bible to push legislation. Okay, we're we're like our foundation as a country was Christian, regardless of if people think, you know, we weren't specifically a Christian nation. You know, it was ne- there was never an official religion here. It was about freedom of religion. But the fact of the matter is, the ideals of this country and what they were formed on were on Christian ideals. Um, but that doesn't mean you can push legislation based on your religious beliefs. You have to have logic and reason and evidence to push laws. And it is yeah. illogical to tell two people they cannot get married simply because you don't like it. Right. And it's also wrong. I mean, just initially, like, yeah. you know, I, um, my marriage was officially Catholic, even though I'm not like a Catholic domina- denomination. My wife is. Okay. So, like, I had to go to like a weekend retreat in order to get a pastor to sign off on my on my marriage to allow us to be married in the Catholic church. And you have any idea how much that graded on me? Like I fucking hated it. Well, okay. So I was raised Catholic. So I was baptized Catholic and I made my first communion Catholic or first confirmation or whatever it's called. So I just never did the final confirmation. So, which it varies depending on what pastors you go to, because they all have different notions of what's required. But essentially, as long as one parent was fully considered Catholic in the eyes of the church and you agreed that you were going to raise your children in the Catholic church, like they don't have an issue with marrying you. Okay. Which I don't have a problem with my kids being raised Catholic. Um, I think it's a good foundation to start from. But when they get older, I will obviously leave it up to them to decide on how they feel about it because I am Christian and I do hold some Catholic views, but I believe in some stuff that does not follow those guidelines. 
um, just through general experience, through personal, you know, um, diving into what I believe and also my relationship with God and what God has shown me. So like those have all changed my opinion. And I, I realized that, you know, not to go too far religious, but in my eyes, God is God and different people see different aspects of God, right? To me, it's the same God. Like my God is the same God as the Muslim God, as the Jewish God, even as like the Indian gods. We're just viewing it from a different aspect in different ways, because maybe what I need for my God isn't the same as what those people need for their God. Um, but to me, it's all one God. So like my job is to have a personal relationship with God and understand what it is he wants and go from there. And that might not be completely the Christian doctrine or the Catholic doctrine. Um so that's why I've kind of branched from the church. Um, and it's also why I have differing views as far as, you know, like homosexual marriage, like why I don't have an issue with it. And also being able to separate religious views from state views, you know, because understanding how legislation works and the arguments you need to make in order to push a, a law. Like you can't just say because like it just doesn't work. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know how I want to word this. Um, just try just it out. Think, I think I, I think just being good to people um, yeah. is gen generally the like. Let's say your goal, your goal, right, is um, to kind of bring them over to your side um, and everything, kind of show them the the truth that mm -hmm. you have, like as a as a Christian yourself, right? Um, I think the best way to do that would be by being really good to them respectful, nice, um, mm -hmm. welcoming, but also, you know, honest. Yeah. Um, like, so like whatever you believe specifically about like their lifestyle, um, if they ask you, like, be honest, don't lie. Cause, like, mm -hmm. Nobody wants to lie to their friends. Um, be honest, but also don't do it in a way that's like essentially like, don't be a prick them down the drain. You yeah. Know what I mean, like, like it, it's, it's, um, for me, man, like I, I, I'm going to be honest, dude, like, I don't even worry about this kind of stuff normally, so I'm, I'm going to be pretty useless when I talk about this, but my ultimate goal in life is to maximize the good in society and the positive impact I can make in people's lives. I think currently the best way to do that is through economic policy that empowers the working class. So my whole goal right now is to empower the working class through policy, which is why I want to run for Congress and start working on yeah. things like that. Um, if you want to say that, you know, that's God working through us, things like that. Awesome. Like I, I great. I, I'm with you. Cool. I, but for right now, like, like I said, my, my goal is that, um, however you want to think about that is cool with me. Yeah. As long as you're on board, like, if you're on board, I'm, yeah. I'm happy. Well, yeah. I, I think, I think you touched on the key point when it comes to any kind of religious stuff or not really like just try to be a good person and just try to perpetuate good in the world. You know, I've I've touched it on this. Uh, I know you kind of listened to episode one. Like, listen to episode two. We we, we touch on this specifically, kind of on the ending part of, of the of thing, me and Alex. Um, but it's very much true. Like, if you're not pushing for the betterment of everyone around you, what are you really accomplishing? You know, and, and like, don't get me wrong. Like, my main concerns are my inner circle, my family, and my extremely close friends. Those are the things I can directly control and affect on a regular basis. Now... Does that mean I don't want to contribute to society? Look, I've 
I definitely do want to contribute to society in whatever ways I can. Um, I've done it. Yeah, in the that's po- just educationally on your, on yeah. your podcast. Even if it's educationally on, on my podcast or having a dialogue with someone who has some different views from me. But we can both agree that, like, let's not be shitty people. Like, what's what's the end goal here? You know, and the end goal is is a better world for everyone, or at the very least, a better country, or even a better household, a better friends group, a better work environment. It it doesn't have to always be grand scale. Like, just one little piece to the puzzle helps build the puzzle. So, like, do your part. You know, and it could be the smallest things. It don't even have to be money. You know, like. Just encouragements. Just how are you doing today? Like, I um, I try to have a you know I'm I'm an optimist at heart. Um, I always try to see the good in people, and I have a big heart, and it gets me burned sometimes. It used to get me burned a lot when I was younger, because I care deeply about people. But I've had to learn how to regulate that because. If you care deeply about people and you pay attention to the world on a grand scale, you will be a depressed motherfucker. Like, there's just no question about that. You know, like, there's there's some bad shit out there. There's some bad people out there. And if you let it get to you, it, it can drive you literally insane. So, in my eyes, like, why... There's nothing wrong with understanding the bad things that are happening and trying to fix those, but you should focus on the good things too, and that be your primary focus and perpetuating those good things and making it to where the good things will outweigh the bad things. Um, some of my best friends, um, you'll if you listen to the entire podcast, uh, one of my last episodes was with my buddy Chance Bailey. He is an atheist. He is very evident-based. Like, he believes in evidence. Like, if you were to show him evidence of God's existence, he would believe in God, and he would act accordingly. Um, but he's he's like a brother to me. He's family. You know, he's someone I would do anything for. He's an amazing person. He's a great person. Not at all religious. And I am. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and why is that, people? Like, why why how does this happen? He's a great person. Um, I've been told I'm a great person. And we have the same vibe, I guess you can say, you know, like we're on the same wavelength. Um, and that makes a difference, you know. So like religion, you know, I have my views about that, but like it's not a block, you know, a, a, um, a wall to stop me from having friends or close people or great people in my life who aren't religious. Um, and I, I feel like some religious people put up those walls when they shouldn't. And it's kind of like you said, like, if you want to have a positive impact on someone's life or care about them, even if you don't agree, like, don't be a dick to them. Like, that's the worst thing you can do. You know, and you can say the same thing about, like, um, I deal with, I've dealt with a lot of angry atheists in the past, you know, hateful atheists. And I'm like, like, for someone who who's trying to argue that you shouldn't believe in God, like, you're a really angry and mean person. Like, you're not really selling your point very well, you know? <laughs> Um, Absolutely, and and like like that goes back to they're just like there's crazy people, dude. Honestly, there are like no matter what opinion you hold, somebody who's insane has the same opinion as you. Like I, and being a progressive, nobody knows that more than me. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of insane people who hold very similar positions that I do. But when they speak about them, they sound lunatic. Like I, I I can completely empathize with you there. Um, I think when I started moving a little bit away, um, a little bit away from my religious beliefs, 
um, I think was when I started seeing the way people used conservatism. And what I mean by that is, like, this is not everybody. It's just it was something that I personally saw in my upbringing. And that was people didn't really care about politics until it came to, like, really shitting on somebody. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they like nobody really cares about politics until, you know, we're coming down on minorities for this or for that. Nobody cares about politics until we're dunking on trans people and telling them which bathroom to go into. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it, that's how it felt. And um, I also see that a lot with uh, people who have religious beliefs. Uh, they're not very outspoken about their beliefs until they're coming down on somebody else or yeah. they're talking down towards somebody. And like, and I know that's not everybody and I don't want to put that on everybody. If you're a religious person is really cool. That's awesome. I have 1000% support your right to believe whatever you want. I'm just speaking on my personal experience and what I've seen, mm-hmm. what's kind of led me to believe, you know, what I believe. So, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's the value systems put in place. Um, like religion and trans people, there's obviously going to be conflict there. Uh, religion and, and homosexuals, like there's going to be conflict there. Like because the overall arching beliefs of religious people is basically that's, you know, um, that's a warping of what should be to them. And like even I, to some extent, understand where they're coming from. But like, just because you don't agree with something doesn't mean you should hate them. It doesn't mean you should be mean or angry or, you know, like there's there's a way to go about doing these things. Um, what about, do you think they treat people who work on Saturday the same? Or, you know, that don't wear fringes? Or, you, know, you know what I mean? All of these are lifestyle. D- d- depends on what, which religion you're talking about, buddy. Because like, oh, yeah. there are I, some I, religious sects out there who who will most certainly look down on you if you work on a, on the Lord's day, you know, um, on a Sunday, like, um, but that's the other thing. Like, don't put your head so far up your ass that like any little thing bothers you, Yeah, you know, like that's yeah, when it becomes very problematic. Um, you know, but it's, it's also, so like <laughs> getting more on, on the Bible a little bit. You know, the, the transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament, what what was the main theme of that? Was Jesus basically saying, love your neighbor, help your neighbor, right? If you can condense it all down, like God basically killed his own son to redeem you of your sin and allow you to love one another and to move past that and to help each other out. And that that's, was the theme of Jesus in the Bible. Um, so... If you're reading the Bible and you and you get to the New Testament, and you read all that, and now you're being a hateful fuck to somebody. Like, are you really being what you should be? You're you're not. You're not. And you're not. You're not walking in Christ's shoes when you're doing that. And uh, I mean, I know this is a whole other rabbit hole. Go ahead. I mean, if you want to go into it, we can. Look, I, it's entirely up to you. Look, but, I'm uh, I'm here, bro. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have a um, I have a brother-in-law who's genuinely a really smart guy. Genuinely, like, yeah. Um, he's he's one of those very um, intellectual people. Uh, you can just tell by talking to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a uh, master's or a doctorate in divinity. It's like religious studies. Okay, like so that. theology, I, basically. I, I don't want to say doctorate or masters because I could either be like. Okay. Him did he did he spend more than four years studying whatever it is that I he studied? Was, 
It was six to eight. I don't remember. Okay, so so two. he's he's well read in that. You can say, yeah, right? Okay, absolutely. And um, me and him disagree on most political things. I'd okay, say. probably most. Yeah. Um, and the common theme I kind of come around whenever I talk to him is like it, it. It feels like he's arguing from a place of that he's he's never really heard an opposing view before. And I, I don't mean that as like an insult. I mean no, you're like, saying he, he's yeah. been sheltered in an echo chamber for the last six to eight years and thought one way. Um, okay, so... But I, I don't even argue religion with him. I, yeah. I'm oh, okay. strictly okay. coming like, like it's but, like more but, political But, but just, to, just to point this point something out, okay, and, and you probably haven't watched the movie, but I watched the first one, okay? It's called God's Not Dead, right? And the basis of the movie is these kids are at college and their professor's an atheist. And every year, like the first day of college, they debate God. And and he's basically like, if God exists, he'll stop this piece of chalk from falling. Right. And it just, it follows along those lines. And basically it sets up a bunch of straw man arguments. Um, And the reason I point that out is because it's the, that environment, you know, it's, you know, it's a religious movie. And they're framing it in such a way that like there's no dissent at all. Like there's no actual logic. It's it's literally like we're gonna create the environment and the situation. We're gonna control everything and we're gonna make it look like this. And you can't argue it, even though there are valid arguments against it. Okay, and, and that's kind of what my point is is about you know um, you said your brother brother in law brother okay okay so your your brother in law um. I feel like that's kind of what what he's in, like, and just to to do the flip side of that coin, like the same thing could be said about a lot of academia in college settings over a prolonged period of time. Like, yeah, they can get full of themselves, and all the the faults of the human race can definitely dwell within them. Um, yeah. and that's the problem with being in an echo chamber. You know, uh, I've mentioned it several times, I think on Building Bridges for sure, but probably on my podcast too. Like my Facebook feed has been cultivated to have everything in it for good or ill. Like I see plenty of shit I don't agree with. I see plenty of shit I do agree with and I see everything in between. And why did I do that? Because I do not want an echo chamber. Yeah. Because. I I mean, that's, and that's great. It's just, what I kind of mean is like, I, a very common trend among like, intellectuals and like the church community Mm -hmm. is that they typically like to say that there's no evidence for systemic racism and then when prompted with the miles of evidence they say that uh you know we don't police uh feelings and i i'm i have a very hard time thinking that you know bringing empirical data is is a feeling-based argument instead of somebody just saying oh there's no such thing as this like i i it's very hard for me to accept that, especially coming from somebody whose kind of job it is uh, to be welcoming to people, to try to, you know, cultivate their relationship with God and everything. Yeah. It seems like something that would be uh, very dismissive right away and very um, off-putting, if that makes sense. Definitely. And that that's a problem. Um, obviously, it's a problem. Um I mean, we, 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 you know, go back, I forget the episode number, but we talked about systemic racism on, uh, on building bridges and, uh, out of all the, the three different types of racism, like that's the hardest one to prove. Um, 
and the problem is, is in order to prove it, you have to layer a lot of stuff on top of each other and draw lines. And um, that might have a lot to do with an unwillingness to be open to it, um, simply because it takes a lot to prove it in general. And but we can. The thing is, is we can prove a lot of small arguments. Like we, we can prove a lot of small claims, and then when you add them all together, it serves as a pretty good. You're, you're right. It, I, yeah. Which and, and I've said it. Like the problem with systemic racism is, it's easy for me to fight racism. It, it's easy for me to see a racist situation and say that's fucked up. That's wrong. Let's stop it. Systemic racism is not the same thing. It's not in your face. It's not something that always occurs in every situation. And that's the problem. Like when you say systemic racism exists in the justice system, that doesn't mean the entire justice system like caters to this, you know? And and, like, I I even brought that up in our episode. Like that's where the problems start arising because, um, the people who are, are, you know, trying to end the systemic racism, sometimes some of them get off key and it becomes a, well, all the police are racist because this one policeman in this one town in this one state was racist, right? Right. And then they're like, oh, well, this happened 20 times this year. So obviously all cops are wrong. But then like, you're like, well, there's 600,000 cops in America and there's millions of interactions every day with cops and less than 1% of them result in this outcome. Does that mean the racism doesn't happen? No. Is it overarchingly prevalent in in cop interactions? You can't prove that because these situations are still an extremely small percentage of the over outcome. But does that mean they don't exist, that they're not a problem? No, it doesn't. Like, this is where systemic racism has issues is because you have to layer the evidence. And if someone's not willing to go through all that evidence and draw all the same dots that you draw, they're not going to believe you. Right. And um, I don't ever want to be in the position where I have to argue on is every single cop like racist or like, or like um, are the majority of police encounters bad and things like that. I don't, I just don't really want to be well, no, because it's, it. it's, I, I, but I could, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, okay, it's it's not really a tenable position, like, no. because again, like first off, like, like we said earlier, like okay, if the the main tenet of America is innocent till proven guilty, then you need to show evidence that cops are guilty. Okay, if you're gonna say all cops are guilty, then you need to show evidence that all cops are guilty. You can't do that. So what happens is is you have individual outcomes where okay, so like. The George Floyd situation. Uh, what's what's the guy named Chauvin? Chauvin or whatever. Okay, so apparently he had a record and he had complaints. So as soon as I learned that, I was like, "Oh well, this is a racist piece of shit." Like this is not hard. Like here's your evidence. This we should we should be. Which I'll put it this way. I already didn't like the guy because as soon as I saw him kneeling on someone's neck like that, I was like, that's fucking wrong. But then you learn that, okay, it's not only that he was just in the wrong, he was also a racist prick dealing with a person of color. So this changes the situation to an elevated, you know, step. Um, So, but my point is, is people, you know, which obviously you should never really use generalizations. They're, They're beneficial in some ways, but like, if one piece of antidotal, you know, antidotal evidence can, you know, 
throw off a generalized statement, well, then, like, it's hard to, to, to keep that, you know, that position, I guess. Right. But I, and that's why, like, whenever I make cases for systemic racism, I never go by incidents. I never talk about, like, encounter, specific encounters and things like that. I like to point to certain policies that can be shown to have, like, unequal treatments of, between uh, different ethnic groups. Yeah. Uh, one, one, one really easy example of this is North Carolina voter ID laws. That's fine, let's do it. On how different minorities are, they found out that, you know, black people were using a certain types of IDs when they went to go vote, and they specifically banned those. So, like, that is a, in my opinion, an example of systemic racism, because yes. it's not, not and I, I don't use words like white supremacy, I don't use words like, uh, like white uh, separatism or nationalism mm-hmm. or anything like that, unless I'm actually talking about an actual white nationalist, yeah. like you know Richard Spencer or something. Mm-hmm. But I, I I stay away from words like that because when we talk about systemic racism, we're not talking about white people being racist against black people. Yeah. We're talking about the system well, actually being used and, and to you, unfairly treat black and, people. And I think this is the important thing to hone in on. Okay, you had a very focused statement of a very specific incident. Okay. Now, was it, okay, but you specifically said, okay, this voting place in this state did this. That is a system that governs voting that has racist practice. That's systemic racism. And and I think that's good. And like you said, you know, it, it was good that you brought up the whole I didn't I didn't mention white people or white nationalists or anything like that because when when you start doing these things, then you're you're broadening the subject area, the criteria. When you don't need to do that, be specific. You know, if you're saying, look, this judge in fucking you know Idaho has racist practices. Here's this evidence. His entire courtroom, that system, that judicial system in Idaho, is an example of you know, systemic racism, then you just proved it. There you go. Does that mean all justice courtrooms are, are, are systemic racism? No. But in this instance, this system was, and we need to change that. And I think that's what we need to do in order to attack these things. And, and it's not always that clear cut, but just the way you frame something can completely change how people interact with it. So it's very important that you frame it right. Look at, look at ACAP. Uh, like, uh, talk about, like, a way to just shoot yourself in the foot and lose every bit of political influence you have. Like, I I get it. Like, restructure the police budget is a terrible slogan. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not catchy. It's not something people are going to want to repeat. But uh, abolish the police. There's a reason it has an 11% approval rating. Yeah. ACAB, there's a reason it has a 9% yeah. approval rating. Yeah. Like, there's a, there's cool. a reason. They're extremely hyperbolic, just not true statements. Yeah, and, 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 and look, like, look, nobody wants. Look know, at so the like, look at the few places that actually did that, and look what happened. Their crime rates went up, their murder rates went up, and then they had to get extra funding to entice the police to come back to do their jobs. Like, I think we pretty much most of us already knew that it was just bullshit. Um, but it's kind of like you know, like we we said on the on the episode. Um, you know, call something what it is. I don't care if it's flashy. I don't care if it's it's a catchphrasey thing. Like, defund the police is fucking stupid. And the second you say that, you've already changed the framework of the discussion to something that I'm not going to agree with. Where 
if you would say, I just think we need to to reevaluate the funding for police, not get rid of their money, but just make sure that it's efficiently being done properly. Then I could be like, okay, I could agree with that. Why? Because you're not saying some off the wall fucking thing like let's get rid of all cops. Like yeah. that's a bad idea, <laughs> you know. I, I actually have a lot of really cool ideas on how to fix policing. Okay, uh, just I, give I, me I three. You, give me three. Get rid of qualified immunity. Okay. Make police officers carry liability insurance. Okay. And uh, and civil asset forfeiture. Okay. Now, if if you're going to let if if you're going to require them to to uh, carry the insurance, are you going to increase their pay? I'm just curious you know, because because a lot actually, of cops don't I, make I a lot of money. No, absolutely. I think we can do that because you think about how many times police are sued, right? Yeah. And how much money comes out of the city for that? Yeah. The way I'm think the way I'm thinking about it is, I think you'd save enough money to pay each of them a little bit more to, yeah. to cover. Yeah. Like, I also I also insurance. I also think okay with with the insurance because I am definitely a proponent of better training. Okay. <laughs> Now, the thing about better training is, is it's going to cost money to train them better. And then when you train them better, it's going to cost you more money because you're going to have to pay them more. Because you're not just grabbing people off the streets. You're saying, I want you highly trained. And when someone becomes highly trained, especially if you're going to add liability insurance into it, then the pay has to increase. Um, which I feel like that's a selling. Like, I don't feel like you're going to have a hard time selling that, hey, we need to play, pay our police officers a good amount of money. Because of all these things, you know, I think it's justified, um, even from a tax perspective, even as a conservative, because to me, a better trained police force means no more random people getting shot when they shouldn't, you know, mental health situations being handled differently in a better way. Like it's a net positive for society in general. So like, why wouldn't we pay them more if they're agreeing to be better trained, you know, and even to have, like you said, like the, the insurance, which might save, you know, the city or the police department a shit ton of money just in general because they're insured in case something bad happens but it wasn't really their fault but like they still have to pay for that mistake you know or um outcome um and i I wouldn't even mind if um if the departments provided the uh the insurance to them but mm -hmm. they had to qualify like say um uh, what's it like? Let's say State Farm came out with uh, officers insurance, right? Yeah. And um, let's say uh, your town in Louisiana wanted to partner with State Farm and say that okay, the state of Louisiana is going to pay for insurance for all of its cops, but they have to go in and qualify with State Farm, yeah. bring the paperwork to the department, mm-hmm. and they would, you know, and they would yeah. do the rest. Yeah. Of the like, a, like okay, uh, you you have to get yeah. an annual mental health check. Sure. That, that yeah. that's fine, but that also means when. Like people like Derek Chauvin uh, do something really messed up and they get a report, like they get reported for it and it goes on their permanent record. When they go back around to try to get insurance the next time, it's going to be harder. It's going to be a little bit more yeah, expensive. Or they can't and get it. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, if it's more expensive and police are only agreeing to cover the base, it's going to punish that officer for being, you know, yeah. piece of crap. Yeah. Well, and they're going to have to pay more out of their own pocket to kind of yeah, cover their uh, insurance. And, and just, just to kind of segue a little bit off of that, like also, if people are getting reported, don't fucking sweep it under the rug. Yeah. I just want to say that. Like, and look, I, I, you know, there's the whole thin blue line thing. Like, look, I understand that police are a brotherhood, sisterhood, you know, just their family. And because of how their job is and, and how stressful and hard and like, I get that they need to be able to support each other. 
But at the end of the day, if someone's doing wrong, you need to call them out on it. And you need to put that into the light. Because what could be an easy reprimand now could end up being a George Floyd later on. Because that could have been preventable. You know, and I'm not saying that you necessarily have to take them off the force, but even just talking to them or, or sending them to a class to change their, their, their view on the situation could save someone's life. And that's, that's important and beneficial to everyone. Right. So, um, and like other like kind of policies that would in like kind of that have systemic racism byproducts of them, I should say, because it's very hard, uh, to critique, like, say, the crime bill, for example. Everybody goes back to the crime bill in the early 90s. Uh, it's very easy to analyze the how the crime bill turned out, like, from a post-hoc kind of view. Like, oh, everything's already happened. We've seen the repercussions. It's very easy to, like, uh, kind of critique it that way. But if we go back to when the crime bill was introduced and signed off, um, it had huge bipartisan support. It was very popular in inner cities and in the black community. Uh, I, I believe it was like ninety percent of local black. Yeah. Oh, it was pushed a lot. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This was like this. This was like a very like supported bill, and just because it turned out like really badly. Uh, doesn't mean we can go back and criticize every single person who worked on the bill. Yeah. It means more so that we need to we need to view like how was this policy twisted to achieve certain goals. And when we diagnose that problem, we can write better policy in the future so that it doesn't kind of happen that yeah. way. Uh, the war on drugs really big. Uh, the war on drugs has been used to kind of separate uh, like black fathers from their homes for the last you know thirty four oh, yeah. years. It's, it's the the prison the prison industrial complex like yeah. Perpetuating the prison systems and making money off of them. Um, Absolutely. I uh, the thing about the crime bill, which I agree with you on pretty much everything. I just want to want to mention, like, we do need to point the finger at people who pushed it as a political favor or to okay. gain political trust or or uh, achievement by just pushing it because it was the quote unquote right thing to do. Um, yeah. Which I mean brings me back to like know what you're signing. You know, and, and I'm not saying specifically. Like, what can you give me like an example of that? Okay, so I'm not saying it's specific for the crime bill. I was saying in general, but like, okay, so obviously the talk is about you know it was about Biden and he okay. pushed the crime bill and now it's wrong. Um, and but, but it had, it had all this. Did, but do you know his contribution to the crime bill though? I mean, I just know he signed it. I don't know what his his contribution to it was. His his only contribution to the crime bill was the Violence Against uh, Women Protection Act. And if we're going to talk about that part of the bill, this curbed domestic violence in this country by over fifty percent. So, like, it, it was, it did do a, like a very good yeah, service yeah. To society. But this also now, brings I, brings the point I don't that want to defend Joe Biden. Don't get yeah. Me wrong. Well, no, no, no. no look, him, give give credit where credit's due. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say like, I don't like Joe Biden, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to say when he does a good thing. It's just like Trump. Like, you can hate Trump all you want, but if Trump does a good thing, you need to point that out and say it's a good thing. And it, it's I, one, I was all over Facebook when he price capped insulin. I thought that was the coolest thing. Yeah, he, yeah. He like, look, done, look. Honestly. Trump's yeah. done some good things, but you'll never hear about that on social media or the media in general. They're they're they just never were going to say anything, and that turned a lot of people away from them. And now they're reaping that those things, you know. Um, but I think my, my point was is okay. So like, it's great that he did that, but. Like one of the problems with these big bills is is all the the give and takes, and you know it's great that Biden was able to push you know this domestic abuse uh, bill, but he did so at at 
at the cost of signing something else that was disastrous. And and I know sometimes that's just how, how the legality works. Like, they can't break down every single individual piece of situation. But I do not like the fact that you could have such opposing things in one bill. And they're willing to let it happen simply to get their one thing pushed. Yeah, and, and to your it's, credit, too, um, Biden did try to sneak in a, a federal assault weapons ban into the crime bill, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody can fact check me on that later, but um, I'm pretty sure he tried it. It didn't end up staying in the bill. It got tossed out yeah. before they voted on it. Yeah, but, and, and like, I, uh, I don't, don't want to yeah. pick on Biden. I think it was just the overarching idea, which is basically like the problem with these big-ass bills that are 5,000 pages you know, long is there's a lot of give and take and a lot of that give and take is counterproductive and (laughs) you end up getting a shitty bill passed simply because you got enough people to agree on little things to get your big thing passed. And that's a problem, which is, it's reflected in like the the relief bills, you know, as we talked earlier, um, same thing. It's like, we're going to give all this foreign aid to, to, to other countries, but Hey, we'll give you Americans a, a stimulus check also. So you'll be okay with it. You know? It's shady, I guess is the best way to, like, it's kind of a shady practice. And, and I'm not, so for the, the money's for other countries thing, I, if we're talking about the same thing, it's it's the bill in January, right? Um, yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah, and that bill, so basically we attached COVID relief to the omnibus spending bill, yeah. which is like, is something that like is part of the budget that we have to pass every year. So there was a lot of stuff in there that would naturally already be there. Yeah. And we only were notified of it because COVID got attached, COVID really got attached to it. And I don't necessarily think I'm against investing in other countries uh, because I believe like trade is a very good way to deter war. I think if we're engaging yeah. in trade with yeah. as many on, countries a, on as a can, world stage, even yeah. as a world power, like there's a certain minimum amount of involvement that we have to have as as the as the leading country in the world and and i and i understand that but i also understand that like at a certain point when our country's in the situation that it is it needs to take a step back and say look world you're gonna have to handle yourselves for just a little while because we need to get ourselves back on track in order to be the best that we can be for not only our citizens but everyone and, and i think that was my point you know um i'm not against helping other countries when we can like that's not like every year that's that's fine like if we have the excess let's let's do it like i want to help these other you know these other people the problem is is when our our own country is suffering you know it's really important though like to remember this isn't charity like this is like this is a business move for us we're we're taking the opportunity to invest in another country because we own shares yeah their local business yeah i and, and that's that's fine just so yeah. long as we get ourselves back to where we need to be. Because if America doesn't exist, it doesn't matter what shares we have in them. They're going to fucking fail, too, because we're failing. Yeah. And that that's my whole point is we can't lose sight of the fact that you need to take care of home first before you start taking care of people outside your home. You know, and, and I know it's it's it comes off as kind of selfish, but like that's what needs to happen first and foremost like in order for us to 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 help everyone we need to be in the position to help everyone and if we're not in that position right now then everyone needs to back off and say look y'all fix yourselves so you can get back to where we need you to be to help us you know which that was my my old point i I think you get it you know oh yeah i I do and i i think we agree on a lot uh the very small distinctions here and there 
Yeah. I, I think they're important, but, um, like, I definitely understand your, like, line of thinking. I would very much like to cut back on the money we're sending overseas for, for a good amount. Um, I'd also like to cut back on, like, uh, big business bailouts. I'd like to see something like a, um, a stimulation of the lower class, like maybe like a few weeks of a UBI, even in small amounts of money, like just to see if we could start yeah, circulating I'm, that. I'm not even money. against, like I've, I've said, like yeah. I'm actually for UBI. I think it's a good idea um, to have a good baseline, you know, for everyone. Um, and also flexibility for people to pursue their passions. Because um, yeah. when you're passionate about something, you're more efficient with it. And you're, you're also more likely to, to produce better when you're passionate about somebody, uh, somebody, something. Um, so yeah, I think you, I think UBI is a, a pretty good thing overall. Um, let's see. I will tell you, man, I, I saw my wife crack the door. In the room. Okay. And so I think she's like trying to hurry me off. Um, yeah, 54 minutes on the second part here. Do you want to, uh, you want to close it here in a few minutes or how do you want to do it? Yeah, let's go a little bit longer, and then we'll we'll, we'll cut it short. I know you gotta go. Um, I got you. We can always have a part a part two later on, um, for sure. Another 20, 20 minutes or so. Yeah, yeah, that that'll be good. Um, let me touch on my immigration story because we'll, we'll end it on on a little bit of fun I had a couple of nights ago. Um, it was on a post about immigration, and I couldn't tell you the specifics other than they're basically harping. On the, the very idea that, like, we should even have borders, essentially. Um, and and I, I get the whole open borders argument. But my argument is, like, look, we, we have an immigration process. And the second someone disrespects that process, they're disrespecting us as a country. They're disrespecting the other immigrants who go through that process legally. Um, and that becomes problematic to me. It's like, why do I want you in my country if you can't even respect our like bare minimum requirements to be here. Um, if it's a matter of seeking asylum, there are proper channels to seek asylum. You know, like you can't just walk into the country, go to Chicago and be like, Hey, I'm seeking asylum in Chicago. Like there's, there's places you need to go to get this done. And I'm I'm not saying that it's always possible, but I'm saying is, is if you're not doing that, that's a, a problem. So the first thing this person tells me is, is well, it's not even your country. Like, America is not even America. And I'm like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, well, y'all stole it from the Native Americans. I'm like, hold up. So, okay. So, I'm sure you debate with people all the time. And um, I'm also sure you've gotten to the point, like I have, where, like, when red flags go up and you just know, like, the kind of conversation it's going to be. Um. And I usually avoid those, but I guess I was just feeling a little bit frisky that night. So I decided to deep into, you know, dive into it a little bit. And um, so I was like, look, man, I was like, was this land maybe originally the Native Americans? Sure. I was like, do I necessarily agree with conquest? No. Were they conquered? Yes. Was it the valiant battles of, of history. No, it was very dark and gritty and fucked up. There's a lot of bad shit that happened. I was like, but the first thing is, is you need to understand that not only were Europeans conquering 
trying to conquer each other in the world, the Native Americans were conquering each other also. Like, they weren't like, you know, these fuzzy little white lambs that, you know, the European wolves attacked and ate. Like, they did some fucked up shit too. And they were doing that way before white people ever came to this land. The point is, is this is America. Whether whether you believe the land was taken, whatever, conquered, like this is America. So like just throw that out the window. <laughs> like you already you already lost me on that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and honestly, like and this is my biggest problem with like online people on the left is that um, my my personal goals are political action. I want to see actual change happen. So my goal is to actually convince other people that my positions are like the most logical and they have the most evidence to back yeah. them up. That's what the, those are my goals, right? So that I can bring them over and get these more progressive policies passed. Yeah. Um, a lot of people on the left, they just want to virtue signal all day and they want to tell you that yeah. you're oh, yeah. highly inferior and all this. And all that does is push you guys yeah. like away and look, from the look, I'll be 100% honest. Like, I don't even know if this person was a proclaimed leftist. Um they didn't specifically say they were like, I mean, you could kind of assume from what they were saying that they are, but like, I'm not going to throw, you know, throw them under the bus and say they specifically were, I don't know what their, their political affiliation was. I just don't know anyone on the right. You're, you're right. You're right. I'm I'm trying to be generous. Um, and, and even like to this next point. So like I extended an olive branch out to him and I was like, look, first off, because, okay. So he went from, Native Americans and this not being our land to like, well, your ancestors immigrated here illegally also. Or, or you, your family's only been here 80 years. And I'm like, you, you, you don't know me. Like how, like, okay, my, like, okay. So I paid the money to get my ancestry DNA tested. Like I've talked to my grandpa, like I've mapped out some of my genealogy. My family's been around here for a couple hundred years. Like, we've been poor pretty much the entire time. Like, my family used to pick cotton in the fields, okay? Like, um, so it's like, you don't know me. Like, you're making base assumptions. So, uh, it's just another red flag, obviously. Um, and, I, and I told this guy, it's like, regardless of what my family did. First off, there, even back then, there were legal ways to get into this country. I was like, so I, I tried to extend an olive branch. So I was like, look, I don't have a problem. I don't have any problem with people coming here. Like, it... It's not immigration. Like, immigration is not the issue to me. Like, if you can immigrate here, that's great. I want you to be a benefit to our society. I just want you to do it legally. I want you to do it through the processes that we've created to ensure that we have the right people coming into to our country. And I don't feel like that's absurd. Like, I don't even feel like that's racist. Like, I literally just need to know who you are when you come in here. And I told him, I was like, look, I have no problem with streamlining that process. I don't mind making it efficient. I don't mind making it easier for people, cost effective. As long as it gets the requirements done, like it doesn't need to be all these other things. So like I'm a hundred percent okay with making the process easier for people and helping those people. But you have to go through the process. I understand what you're saying and I understand where you're coming from. It's just you've got to understand for me, and like this may be like a personal thing for me, but um, if somebody immigrates to this country illegally and they, you know, live here for 60 years and never get found, I have no issue with that. And my main reason for that is these people lived here without the ability to apply for loans, the ability to receive uh, any kind of like social safety net help, um, any like any kind of like quote unquote handouts or like um, certain medical. 
medical attention. They were never allowed to get uh, involved with the police, which means they had to stay law-abiding citizens. So, like, all of these things lined up. Like, I, I just, I have a hard time coming up with something to be upset about, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I guess that, that's a personal thing for me. Well, um, I don't have I a... do believe in... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you okay. finish what you were saying, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I also don't really have a problem with the free movement of people. Um, I do like the idea of having a system that kind of keeps track of how many people are here and things like that. Um, and I wouldn't be against, um, let's say, uh, having to go through the border officially, but being awarded a Social Security uh, number as soon as you come through. I wouldn't be against something like that. Um, I think the idea of like letting a lot of people come in, like by, you know, even by like the 50 or 60 thousands, at a time and in, in a over the course of a year, I think that there's dangerous implications there, not really with crime, but with uh, things like job shortages and like things of that nature. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, statistically speaking, I think it's like half a million people immigrate here every year, so yeah. it's it's still a lot. Um, but those are are legal immigrants. Like those aren't illegal; those are legal. Um, I don't want to kick people out who've been here for for twenty years or like. I don't want to do that, okay? So here's my radical view on on the border, okay? Because I also understand that creating a sufficient wall and security is very inefficient cost-wise. It, it would just cost a lot. But at this point, I mean, if we're, we're painting two, you know, if we're creating two, $2 trillion every three months, like, I don't see why you can't spend a couple billion on a good wall. Um, but in my estimation... You divert some of that military budget to creating and manning a wall around our borders. You create that as a training grounds for military personnel. So it's all it it provides multiple avenues of efficiency. Not only are you protecting our border, you're also training our military. You're keeping them active in these drills. You're you're meeting two, you know, you're you're you know, hitting two birds with one stone. Not only are you doing that, you're taking some of that massive military spending and putting it towards another good cause. Now, once you get that done, once you get the wall done, the infrastructure done, the system in place, you legalize everyone who's within our borders. Okay? Everyone. Legalize them. Give them full citizenship. Give them full rights as American citizens. Maybe they can't run for office or run for presidency, you know? Um, but they can do everything else. They, they, they get the full benefits of American citizenship. After that, though, you're going to have to crack down on immigration laws hard. And it's going to be distasteful. And I'm not saying kill people, but I'm saying you're going to prison. I'm not sending you back to Mexico. I'm sending you to jail. And yeah, but, but then we get into different areas of like trouble, though, because then we're having to pay for people to be jailed. I mean, here. we're having to pay to send them back. We're having to pay for them to be here. Like... If we're already going to spend the money on the wall, which is also inefficient, as I've just said, like that, that's money that's not necessarily well spent in the moment. But if we're going to go through that, then you need to be like, you can't go through all that and then be lax on immigration policy after the fact. So, yeah, it, and I, I mean, I'm going to respond to this without even having to give my opinion because I, I don't think my opinion on the wall is really important here. Yeah. But if you go back to 2016, my position is kind of the same. Um, the problem with a wall is that it's a 30-year project, and whether you like it or not, uh, every Democrat that gets elected in, in between the president, uh, Republican presidencies is going to kill the project. They're going to move all oh. the equipment 
back and everything, and then yeah. it's going to cause the Republicans to come in and reinstate it. They yeah. got all the equipment. I, I 100% got understand it is not a viable plan or an efficient plan, which is why I'm saying it's probably never going to happen. I'm just saying if I had my way, that's what would happen. And to me, that's the only best way to do it and still maintain borders and still maintain our nationality and our defense of our country. Because it's not just, oh, we're just trying to keep people out. Like, no, we're, we're trying to protect ourselves. Like, you're not going to sit here and tell me that you leave all your windows open at night, all your doors open at night, your vehicles unlocked at night, and just trust that no one's going to harm you. Like, you just can't do that. And especially as a nation, especially as one of the leading nations, especially as a nation who has enemies all over the world, like, you can't just leave an open door to trouble. You know, and I don't I don't want to... To be fair, it's, it's not an open door right now, but I, I, well, I do Well, you, you get the point. And, like, I'm not trying to, to point at, at people coming from our southern border and calling them terrible people. Because, like, most of them are good people. They're just trying to get a better life. And I, and I want to help them in that. But we do need to understand that some bad people do get through. You know, just, just kind of like we talked about, like, the detention centers. Like, what's, you know, more irresponsible? Keeping kids in cages just overall or allowing kids to go with, with adults that we have no idea what their relationship is and potentially allowing them to be led by their abusers into our country from Mexico? You know, I don't, I don't think you're going to get much argument from me on that. No, I, I know. I'm just, I'm just bringing up, like, the whole point of having borders and having this immigration system is to weed out the bad people and to stop the bad things from happening. And they do happen. And I'm not saying it's a majority thing. I'm saying it's happened enough to where it's an issue. If you go talk to Border Patrol along Texas, along New Mexico, like there are a lot of illegal immigrants who rape American citizens, who traffic children. And I'm not saying it's all of them or even most of them. I'm just saying it happens enough to where it is a problem. And you can't sit here and tell me that there's nothing we can do about that. Like we need to we need to police our borders because it's our responsibility, not only to our own country, but just as human beings to stop the bad things from happening and coming into our country. So to be fair, though, like really fast, every study done has pretty much shown that the people coming from the southern border aren't coming here and committing crime. It's usually by first generation. Uh, Latino Americans who are committing the crime. So basically, like uh, first generation born in America, uh, Latinos are the ones who typically commit crime compared to their uh, immigrating counterparts. Um, it, it, that's just between those two groups of people because the crime rate in that community is still even lower uh, than in a lot of other different groups throughout the United States. Uh, but setting that aside, uh, the number one argument that I get into. Um, recently is from people on the left who kind of say that like oh biden talked about getting rid of kids in cages yada 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 and here we are with family detention centers like uh, yeah uh, under the yeah. biden administration how is that not the same thing and i have to go into this every time but um one there are no cages anymore luckily uh but two i i'm really really curious on what the other option of that is when, when we have a kid who's picked up at the border over here, do we just push him back to the Mexico side with no adult supervision? Uh, do we just push him to the American side with no adult supervision? Do we pick him up and put him in a holding center for kids? 
Like, well, what's the, like, what exactly do we do? Like, do you guys want us to put them in five-star hotels? Because I feel like that would be pretty expensive. I, I, I get, like, the, uh, there not being a lot of transparency with these centers, them being out in the middle of nowhere and things. I'd like to bring them into big cities. Like, maybe put one in Houston or San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Like, it's still right there in Texas, but, you know, it's a highly populated area. And if something, like, messed up was going on, people would see it. Um, I think it just depends. Like I, I'm not against detention centers specifically because I I feel like they're just a necessary evil. Like I don't like them, but at the same time, like I don't think. Okay, so you move these people to a facility in the middle of a city, and it's easier for them to escape, go out into the population. We lose them forever, and we don't know where they're at. We don't know what they're doing. We don't know what they're about. And we, we didn't have the time to figure those things out. And even if we do, now they're, they're lost, like to us. So, like, I think you still need to keep them separated from major society until you can figure out who they are, who they're related to, like, what's what's the deal. Now, when it's children, it's a little bit different because, you know, you're probably not going to have any issues from them in general because they're kids. Um, but also, like, okay, so, yeah, I, I don't like separating them from their family. But we also need to make sure that they're actually with their family. And it's not just a concocted story because those things do happen. So, like, the responsible thing is to make sure they are who they say they are. They're with the people they should be with. To do anything other than that would be irresponsible. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I don't, like, I, I don't like holding them in these centers. But I think these centers are necessary right. um, in order for us to be responsible with our governorship of these people who, you know, um, kind of force themselves on us and we just need to make the best of the situation and be humane about it. Uh, my biggest issue with these centers are just straight up their living conditions are shitty. That's fucked up. And we should not allow such terribleness in those centers just because they're here. Even if we don't want them here does not mean we treat them like animals. Right. Okay. And that's, I mean, that's just my general, uh, you, I know you agree on that. I think most people would agree on that if they thought about it for just a second. Like, I'm not saying we have to give them steaks every fucking day. I'm just saying, like, you can give them the bare minimum of, you know, food and, and yeah, like, just the general essentials. Like, I mean, fuck, give them granola bars. I don't care. Like, just make sure they, they have the right things they need while they're under our care. Even if we have to throw them back later on, like... You know, I don't want to be the country who treats people like shit like that. It's just not cool, you know, in general. Yeah. I I think we, I I definitely would not disagree with you on improving living conditions and ICE detention centers. I'm all about that. Yeah, yeah, it's a big problem. (laughs) It's a big problem. Um, but anyway, let let's go ahead and wrap it up. I know, I know your wife's um, kind of calling for you there. Um. Uh, I really appreciated this, man. This was fun. Um, yeah, we def we definitely need a part two because uh, I like I like getting three hours, and you only gave me two hours and some change, so you you owe me now. I'll give you another two next time. Well, no, you can, you can make it up to me. Just keep just keep promoting it on uh on building bridges, and we'll be all right. You know, which I know you're gonna do anyway. Go ahead and push that while we're at it. Oh yeah, uh, guys, if you like political debate and you like a lot of disagreement. Uh, Make sure to check out twitch.tv slash building underscore bridges TV. Um, Trevor is a very regular panelist 
on that. Uh, we have guys from all over the political aisle. We basically come together once a week. We decide on two topics and we kind of hammer them out between each other. Um, it's like I said, everybody approaches each other with like respect, but we also get kind of heated and everything. So it's entertaining. Uh, and you get to see us kind of like talk through all the points and everything. So it's a really good time. Definitely check us out. We're on YouTube as well. You can look us up at building space bridges on YouTube. Um, you can find us over there, uh, on Facebook, we are building bridges TV, um, spaces in between each, uh, we post, uh, basically streaming announcements, uh, upcoming events, things like that. Um, I am going to be doing a lot more work lately, so I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to be on as many podcasts in the coming like few weeks, but, uh, the guys will definitely hold it down. Yeah. Uh, you'll definitely be. You'll definitely be, still be entertained over there, even without me. Um, please uh, write your congressmen, your senators. Tell them that you want cheaper energy in your state, and you want to push for the net metering program to be introduced in your states. It's a great model. Uh, California has, has been doing it for about three or four years now. We have one of the strongest power grids in the entire country. Um, not just that, but it's 50% clean already with uh, the route of being 100% clean by 2032. Uh, Colorado just adopted the same model. They're going to be rolling out and seeing how it works out for them. Uh, Make sure that you push for these things, guys, because your electricity and your water bills, those those should not be something that you're paying insane amounts of money for. Uh, Those are, in my opinion, almost rights, very close. Uh, So if anything, they should be very affordable. with the NEM program, you can get free solar for your home if you're a homeowner and you qualify based on your usage. Uh, it's a really, really sweet program. Um, it clean, Like I said, it cleans up the power grid, limits emissions. Uh, it's more affordable to homeowners. It's really a win-win all around the board. So please, if you take anything from the night, uh, really push for the NEM program in your states. Uh, blow your congressman up. Blow your city councils up, your mayor, your governor, whoever it takes. Like, Just make sure you see it get done. But yeah. Yeah, and then after that, blow up Building Bridges podcast, and then blow up my podcast too. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm a solar panel friendly. Um, if any of these solar panel companies want to send me merch, I will promote you every episode. I promise. I promise. <laughs> um, go ahead and give a shout out to my my regulars that I push the nightclub podcast done by Travis Boone, Angel Boone, and Ricky Prejean. Uh, they are a horror podcast, but they are recently dipping their toes into uh, swords and sorcery, so more f- fantasy medieval. Um, they pushed one episode, and they're releasing one tonight, I believe. Um, it's fun, man. It's a fun podcast. Also, the Joe Blow Horror Show. It's another horror podcast. They go over movies. Y'all check that out. Um, obviously, watch Building Bridges. Um, we have some guys on there that have their own streams their own blogs. Um, check it out. I'll try to get some links to all that in this episode description when I post on Facebook. Um, as always, I am looking for more people. So y'all give me a shout out. Drew, go ahead and tell the people goodbye, bud. Hi guys, uh, Drew, base, um, Twitter, <laughs> Drew Chains with a Z, 21. Uh, lots of base political commentary, uh, sports updates, and overall uh, memes. So, uh, love you guys. Thanks for having me on, Trevor. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. All right. right, Well, good night, folks, and y'all look forward to the next episode. I have more people lined up. Y'all take it easy. Ah, shit.
congressional eighth district point blank court. Yeah, vote for this guy. <laughs> Later, y'all.